0: Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode number 302 of the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Steve Say, and this evening I'm joined by Bob Ryer, OLA, Joey Breccino, Yo, and our new bi-weekly co-host, Melissa Megan.
1: Hope I have arrived.
0: I'm sorry I didn't give you any like cool monikers before
1: your name. <laughs> There's only one it's cool okay. moniker that exists. You- Furiosa of Follicles. Furiosa of Follicles. I love it. It's the best one I've ever been given. It
0: was Bob's. So good. So good. All right. Hey, guys. We got Melissa in the house. We're about to roll on a podcast. We got a couple things for you this week. We're going to talk about a bunch of books, a few quick bites on some movies. We got a cool listener question to kick things off, a little Wonder Woman story for you and uh i went to fan expo canada over the weekend Ooh. so i got a couple of stories from that as well i think Ooh. that we're gonna kick things off i want to talk to going around the table joey oh, shit
1: <gasps> he's gonna puke <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> i gonna <will> throw up
0: <laughs> joey Ooh, yes his next, next section of the show is called Joey Goes to the Movies. Oh,
1: I thought it was going to be a good one. Give you me, me your, your
0: Notes reviews. Do,
1: do, 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 do. Yes. Cliffs Notes reviews of Wind River. Okay. Directorial debut of Taylor Sheridan, the screenwriter behind such classics as Sicario and Hell or High Water. Uh, Wind River kind of takes that crime, modern Americana story that he explored in those two crime thrillers and. Translates it to an Indian reservation, Native American reservation in uh, in uh, Wyoming, I believe. Jer- Jeremy Renner is in it. Elizabeth Olsen's in it. The cast is fantastic. Um, the writing is fantastic. The pacing is fantastic. It is just absolutely riveting from start to finish. Uh, the Jeremy Renner is a kind of tracker working for the government. He's like a fish and wildlife person. Like when when wolves are eating people's livestock, he like hunts them down kind of thing. That's his job. But on one of his excursions on the Wind River Reservation, um, he finds a body. And it's the body of a young girl. um, And there's like a lot of context there too for his character. But they have to solve the case. And Elizabeth Olsen is kind of shipped up as this like greenhorn FBI agent who the FBI is like, it's on a reservation. Who cares? Send up the rookie. And so now we have, you know, team up, they team up with the the res police and they have to solve this case. And the thing that Sheridan does great is like, it's hard boiled crime noir, but he sets it not in the city, but kind of in the underbelly of where America is now, which is like out in the, out in the Midwest or like, you know, on the border or like exploring this kind of different, seedy underbelly beyond the city that was explored in the 50s you know so
0: it's like a tundra right
1: yeah it's awesome it's all wintery and stuff jeremy renner has a line where it's like yeah it's wyoming it's cold it's cold all the fucking time or something like that like because elizabeth olsen shows up like with one jacket and like her like loafers (laughs) right and uh, they have to get her you know a bunch of clothes and stuff so it's a great great film um i think it clocks in at like 155 or two hours but it, it just moves it moves um mm. in the same way that sicario did in the same way that hell or high water did and i love both of those movies too so it was cool to see taylor sheridan also now in the director seat and and still exploring that same kind of neo americana noir story which is really which is really cool and um yeah i'm really looking forward to more work from him too
0: i have two questions for you joey oh shit first question yeah when are they going to get clothing right in film what do you mean this is an in general question her showing up to this this wintry ass place with nothing but a singular jacket or lois lane going exploring in heels or jurassic park where bryce dallas howard is running away from raptors and other shit in heels. Yeah, but
1: in those in those like franchise movies, it's totally not addressed. In this movie, it's part of the gag, right? She was like, she's like, oh, I'm stationed in Vegas and I'm from Fort Lauderdale, okay. so like it's part of the gag for her. So how, they recognize it, then. yeah. How woefully unprepared the FBI, oh, okay. the agency, made Excellent. her. You know, they kind of just sent her up. Um, and uh, but that's part of the the conflict in it too. It's a really great movie. He he works well with like like mm-hmm. complex. Nuanced people faced with brutality, right, and right. and you compound that with all of the complexities of res life, you know, and 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 the, the the Native American actors in this film are astounding, and the the weight is just it's just really really good in the same way that Sicario was in, in exploring like real yeah. kind of socio political things, but couching it in like this crime thriller and and hell or high water does the same thing for like working class whites in texas you know in like it's like all three of these movies i think you like just have a day and watch them all you know it's just it's a it's a really good series so far he's he's had a great career so far
0: right on uh second question do you think that it's possible that when he gets much older that Jeremy Renner will end up looking a little bit like Walter Walter Matthau.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could see it. I also think, think of the facial structure.
0: Could... If that shit started to droop,
1: it's already you've totally it got true, Walter man. Matthau going on. The difference, though, is that Walter Matthau always had this very kind of like like ease about him, you know, like kind of just charismatically entering a room. Renner is like freaking on point at all times like he's actually hawkeye like anything he does is like sharp corners at all times everything so uh, so he might look like him but he'll never move like walter Mathau did he seems a little tense all the time yeah all the time jeremy renner tense all the time all
2: right that was playing a creep he had that Suaveness about him that made it even more greasy and oily. And, yeah, that's
1: sort of like blase <laughs> that like Connery yeah. had too, you know, or has. Nice. Connery's still kicking.
0: Favorite Walter Matthau line ever: Grumpy old men. He hands Jack Lemon uh, a thing of matches as he's opening up a window, and he says, "Here's some matches. Light yourself on fire." I love that line. <laughs> okay. All right, I thought that would land better, but whatever. <laughs> You're all heathens. <laughs> Melissa, you
3: didn't pay us enough uh, to laugh at your jokes tonight, Steve (laughs) had
0: uh, had a pretty traumatic event go on today. uh, Did somebody leave the nest?
3: Um, it wasn't as traumatic as I thought it was going to be. Tomorrow will be traumatic. Uh, I sent my my boy went to kindergarten for the first time today. Uh, Yeah. Hashtag Mad Max Megan (laughs) (laughs) for those that follow him. Um. Yeah, but today was kind of like a thing where they meet. They went. They I had to go with him, and you stay there for like an hour, and you meet the teacher, um, which is a special kindergartner thing. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a small group of like six kids, you know, and they kind of did a few activities and stuff. But it wasn't too bad. Uh, it was weird and surreal because I I honestly feel like I just got used to being a parent, and now I'm somehow the parent of a school age kid. <laughs> yeah. So homework it's strange. is coming.
0: <laughs> um, it has I has have to it.
3: Yeah, I do have kind of a, a weird story I can share with you about it um, that's really fast, but this is kind of the... My kid is really strange. He's really strange, and my biggest fear is that he's not going to make friends, but you know, we're in a place that's full of kind of quirky people, so we're, we're kind of banking on that. Um, I think he'll be okay. So yeah. they, they get... They, they sit all the kindergartners down at this table and they give them a piece of paper that says this is me on my first day of kindergarten and they want them to draw a picture of themselves. So I go over to the table afterwards and I look at Max's picture and I can share this on Twitter so everybody can see it later. But it's sort of like it's a it's a decent drawing of a guy for a four year old, but he's got this kind of like giant egg head and he seems to be wearing a tie and he's bald and he has a really angry face on. And I remember hearing the teacher off on the side kind of asking him why is why the face was so angry, but I didn't hear his response. So I asked Max, like, why are you so angry in this picture on your first day of kindergarten? That's and he the said,
0: face that daddy makes.
3: No, he said, that's not me, mom. That's uh, that's Steve. But oh, he doesn't God. mean you, Steve. He means he drew some like it's like my my husband's co-worker in his office. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's like, like It's like that I know, scene like, in Legion. Him, like once a year.
0: <laughs> and what was the assignment originally to draw what himself? This
3: is me on the first day of kindergarten. That's what he's supposed to draw, and he drew this guy named Steve who works in my husband's <laughs> office. And he said he got really angry at me when I asked about. It. That's not me, Mom. He doesn't have any hair. Can't you see that it's Steve? And I was like,
1: God, no. What was he- what, was the what if Steve called... was
0: up to something? Yeah, what was and, like, the book Max called in knows? Legion?
1: Do you remember the the angriest, angriest boy or something in Legion? Do you remember that? With the yeah, yeah, head? yeah. That's basically what's happening right here.
3: So that's my kid. Yeah, he was supposed to draw a picture of himself happy and excited on his first day of kindergarten. And instead he drew a picture of an angry bald man.
0: I, works think you should, I think you <laughs> should watch that, monitor that very closely.
1: Yeah, no, 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 I, yeah, no. Yeah, I don't no, know. No. I, I would
0: check uh, what moon he was born under yeah. and all that too.
1: That's some Boba <laughs> That's some Baba Duke shit right there. I
2: think there's a way to make money off this. You need to send this off to Snickers because this is one of their ads.
1: Oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> when I'm
2: when I'm crabby in kindergarten and don't have my Snickers, I'm like Steve.
3: Steve, right? Steve is his alter ego. <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. Oh no.
3: It is. This is will not be the last of the weirdness that we get from Max in kindergarten. So I hope his teachers are prepared. So tomorrow <laughs> right. he tomorrow he gets on the bus for the first time, and that'll be right. Oh, around. that's a big Oh, and yeah,
0: they're gonna drive away. You're gonna see his little yeah. pale face in the window.
3: <laughs> pale face. Oh yeah. shit! All yeah. right.
0: Well. We wish you the best of luck with that, and I wouldn't worry about him too much. He is a smart and capable kid, and he's fun, so he'll, he'll make fun. It's going to be great. It's going to take some time, but he'll figure right, it
2: out. I, I know there's a pub on the way back from school that does a, a mother's brunch. I, oh. Well, you
3: know, I will say, like, I know Joey doesn't want to cry right now in this episode, but my son does not play sports. He's very clumsy. He's very super sensitive. And the other day, I explained to him what theater is. I said, Max, you might like theater. Oh. And I explained to him what it was. And he was so psyched. He's even... like, I want yes. to do theater. I want to do theater, Mom. So <laughs> I can't
1: right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's All
0: awesome. right. While Joey, while Joey cries. I had
1: to make Joey cry. Fuck. <laughs>
0: Uh, we're going to kick our comic book talk off here with a uh, with a listener question, a really fun oh! listener question. Yeah, that was uh, I think I believe brought on by our guest for the 300th podcast, uh, David Pepos from uh, Action Lab for for um, Spencer and Locke. So, what do we got here? Um, Kareem is whelmed on Twitter, wants to know. What kind of imaginary friend would your I- would be your ideal to solve mysteries a la Spencer and Locke? So, if you were a hard-boiled detective and you needed a hard-boiled animal partner,
1: Wait, what kind an of animal?
0: animal? Yeah. Did you even look at the book, Melissa? M- mine's
1: not an animal either. It's
0: okay.
3: I just didn't take it that <laughs> literally. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay. All right. Just Legal. as imaginary. You know. Okay. Yeah. We can have people too. I'll allow it it's kind I'll of an animal it. and because because you ruined everything Melissa you got to go first
3: I'll go first and go I'll say it. that my partner is kind of an animal depending on how angry you make her because my partner would be Cassie Hack from Hack Slash and I think she would be an awesome partner because not only does she have mad detective skills but she's also really really good at beating the crap out of serial killers and monsters
0: is that what that show's about
3: it, that that's what that comic book is about. Yeah, dude. Come on. Talking about Oh, hack slash. hack slash I'm thinking of, I'm, oh, I'm thinking
0: hack. of Dot Hack. I'm an idiot. Sorry. No,
3: no. Okay. Cassie Hack from Hack slash. Yeah. Right,
0: right. I got you now. Okay. That could work.
3: So, she could be an animal. She is at times, which Ooh. is why I need her. She's fierce. <laughs> fierce.
0: All right. She's good with
3: a baseball bat. Bob, is a lot of that going around?
0: Yeah. Why don't you indulge the group with your with your choices?
3: Uh,
2: um I did go the the animal route.
0: See, Bob uh, and, knows what's
2: up. Yeah, look, I think tigers are great, certainly. But as a fan of Bob Clampett's Beanie and Cecil, Sea Serpent would be cool too, but kind of <laughs> impractical on dry land. You know, when you're investigating crimes in the hard-boiled big city. Awesome. So. Then okay, dragon like Sparky from Princeless, or maybe, you know, good old Puff the Magic Dragon from Peter Paul and Mary. The
0: magic dragon.
3: Exactly. Going but by it's...
0: The sea.
3: Bob, it's... I don't think we're hunting the same kind of people, are we? No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> and
0: so
2: <laughs> I'm thinking I would choose a squirrel like Doreen Green's tippy toe. Oh Smart,
0: that's a good friendly, answer. Friendly.
2: Portable. I mean, what more do you want?
1: All right. I like it. <laughs> Joey. Okay, you want to hear this funny story? All I, right.
0: want, I Make me laugh. <laughs> so,
1: so, all right. So my imaginary friend is a green blow-up alien. Okay? It's like about four feet tall. You get it at the beach, you blow it up. It's a big head green alien thing, right? You've seen these before? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, nope. You've never seen these before? Do you like, you know, it's like a big green, green headed alien. Yeah, yeah, like I've a l- little green men. Anyway, when I was the like, Almond eyes and everything, yeah, when I was like 10, my brother was like six, we had one of these green aliens. We must have got him at like Liberty Science Center or whatever. So we had one, and we used to like do like WWE wrestling moves on it, like drop the 3D, <laughs> drop the elbow, throw the rock bottom, like the whole thing, right? And one day, are you ready for this? we smacked my mom in the face with it okay so here's oh. what she did she took it she took a knife and she sliced it open so that oh all the air came out okay all the, your that, mom is my hero right okay and, and then she <laughs> felt like we were so devastated because like we play with this thing all the time so we were devastated so she duct taped the slice and tried to blow it back up and couldn't do it <laughs>
0: oh no so but then fast
1: forward fast forward maybe 13 years and it's christmas and there's these weird packages under the christmas tree and my brother and i are now in our 20s we open them up they're green aliens my mom got us green aliens we blew them up and i think i still have mine somewhere in the apartment now Side note to the funny story my brother's green alien the head was painted all upside down so his is defective but anyway <laughs> that's a was long it the same story. model It's the same model as same height same from model, back in the day it was thing, the same from one back in the day same thing she went and got uh, it it's... so so yeah that's a story from my life that now informs that. why a green alien will be my imaginary friend detective him or Kate Bishop okay.
3: I feel wow. like that one story kind of sums up like my entire experience with motherhood so far. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I felt <laughs> gonna so bad. I'm going to cut this thing to pieces. Never mind, I feel really yeah, bad. I'm she it like
1: <laughs> threatened us so many times and, and it was my brother's fault. Smacked her right in the face with it. You know, it was just, oh. it was terrible. And she just sliced it. If you go to my like Instagram or whatever, like I post the picture <laughs> of her of sliced open. not with the sliced open one, like holding the us, knife to the things hold, throat. yeah but she got us the new ones and then she was like let's take a picture and she got a knife
3: <laughs> and i was like
1: <laughs> my mom's god crazy. your mom
3: is awesome yeah she's pretty was cool it, like
0: do you remember was it one like whole action where she
1: got hit and
0: just immediately took oh, immediately like, to the
1: knife. got up, grabbed the thing she... by the throat, ran into the kitchen, took out a, like a knife, knife, like a like oh. a like a chef's knife, and just whoosh, sliced it. And it just like
3: <laughs> and... I was hoping, you're gonna say she pulled out like a pocket knife. Oh, she she pocket. just pulled it out. She
1: just had the sword. She just <laughs> whisked it out. You know. Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. That's that's my story.
0: I have an inflatable beach story, but it's not nearly as entertaining. So we're not going to tell it. Instead, I am going to talk about my animal sidekicks. I have multiple because uh, Bronwyn and I were driving back from Fan Expo. It's like a two and a half hour uh, drive. And so I asked her, you know, if you had an a animal sidekick and we're solving crimes, what animal would you choose? So we came up with a few for different reasons, and I will read them to you now. Uh, The first one we came up with was a fox, because foxes are really sly, they're really clever, and at the end of the day, when you've got nothing left to go on, he gives no fox, so that's that. Um, The other one is a chameleon, because a chameleon, I'm picturing a chameleon in a trench coat and hat, like Humphrey Bogart style, But when he takes off his coat and hat, he can blend into the background and go and, like, listen in on stuff and then come back and give you the scoop and you can have, you know, information and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The next person would be or the next animal would be an elephant. And we named him Professor Pachyderm. So So,
1: that's his
0: name. Uh, Because an elephant never forgets. So he would never forget the details. And you'd have a really big cut from any case because he works for Peanuts. Oh, um, and the other one is if you think about it, besides the jokes, it actually makes some sense. And then the other animal that we came up with is uh, a raven as a uh, pet, because in North uh, Norse mythology, there are two ravens that are known for being the embodiments of thought and memory, which will definitely come. Uh, Hugen and Munin, which will come in handy when you're trying to solve crimes and they're intimidating as shit. Like, if you saw a raven and it wanted to, like, get some information out of you, and all of a sudden, like, from underneath the coat, they all wear coats, by the way. They all wear brown trench coats. And, like, the <laughs> wingspan? The what? Yeah, like a wingspan, the wingspan, all that thing? Yeah. Okay. He, well, he definitely he, he wears the biggest trench coat out of all of them. You should see the size of the hat. You, you could swim in it. It's crazy. It's like a kiddie pool on his head. But, like, the raven just, like, wings out, and he does that, like, God. Like you you would tell him anything. I would. So there you go.
2: There are my animals. <laughs> I, I, it's a great menagerie. I'll give
3: you that. I like. think that you question. based that entire answer on puns.
0: No, I really didn't. I'm telling you. <laughs> think about it. The chameleon blends into stuff. He's camouflage. Yeah. The, the make... Gif's no fox thing I thought was just fucking funny.
2: Right. So. You better make sure your chameleon has a London Fog and not a Burberry because that play will give him schizophrenia. Good God.
1: All right. You can even get fashion tips here, okay? We snuck the word menagerie onto the show this week. Just want to throw that out there. That's menagerie.
0: uh, I'm
1: going to go for ennui later.
0: Nice. All right, let's see. What else is up on the menu before we get to our comics of the week? Oh, right. I went to Fan Expo Canada 2017. And let me tell you, it was a good show. It was really nice to finally go to a show. It's been six years since I've been to a comic book related show and didn't have to work in whatever capacity, whether it be for talking comics or Joe Blow or whatever. I went as a fan, a civilian, and it was wonderful. I had no schedule whatsoever, got to see everything I wanted to see, got to chat with some people, lined up a couple of guests for the podcast that I'll tell you guys about off air later uh, one of them in particular. I don't know if I was up, but like one of them is really super cool. OK, so, um, yeah, I cosplayed for the first time, like for real. And uh, I dressed as a gender bent Lorraine from Atomic Blonde. And uh, yeah. sure, you have the wig from me. Yep, I, right. I had the glasses. I actually bought a genuine Boy London white uh, T-shirt with the logo on it. Thirty five bucks. Got it in the mail and immediately chopped it to pieces to make uh, a night shirt that hangs off the shoulder. I borrowed my friend Jill's bra. That was um, okay. That was interesting because I wanted the bra strap. I wanted it to be real. You know, I wanted I wanted people to believe it. Uh, I borrowed a pair of yoga pants, and let me just tell you right now, so comfortable, ladies, ladies. I get it. Yes, <laughs> I get it. I totally understand and I, I salute and support you in the wearing of yoga pants anywhere and everywhere all across the land dude what do you mean ladies They're...
1: i i rock that all right
0: <laughs> all right we'll keep it we'll we'll keep it neutral anybody <laughs> I'm proud who of his yoga, yoga pants yoga damn pants, it yoga pants <laughs> in general across the board thumbs up I really, I really enjoyed my time <laughs> in the yoga pants. Um, let's see. <laughs> did you wear? I, did, did you we wear inhale? the heels? Did you wear the
2: heels too? No, no I, I did not this? wear the. Heels oh come on! Didn't no, go all the no, way. no, 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 yeah. no.
0: Because
1: no, no.
0: no. that, you know why? Because that would have been my ankle. Both of
1: them. Okay, all right.
0: I and aside, aside from that, I shit you not. I tried on probably five to six different pairs of killer boots and wedges and heels, but they were all too small. So my okay. feet are, are a little bit bigger than, than Bronwyn's and I just I couldn't make it happen. So I painted my fingernails and my toenails and I wore my flip flops and actually braved the con flip flops for a day and didn't mm. get stepped on once. Wow. But by anyone. And very um, sexy Steve doesn't
1: painting I your nails. Isn't it just
0: wonderful? Oh, dude, I've been
1: painting my nails since
0: uh, God, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Middle school. Maybe I, I did it for Sweeney Todd last year, and then even when the show was done, I did it for like three months after that. It was just wonderful.
0: My <laughs> favorite thing is actually not to have like the freshly painted nails. I like when it's been a week and a half, and they're all cracking. Yeah, dude. And like you only have specks yeah. of it on you've your hands. You've seen some shit. It. You've seen some. Yeah, shit. man. <laughs> you know, like you you've opened up some stuff. You went food shopping. You've been clacking away, writing articles and stuff. And every now and again, like a little bit of paint just flecks off into the ether, you know? Um, So (laughs) I went to the show. It was really good. We got to see Nathan Fillion do his thing. He did like an hour's worth of uh, Q&A. And I just got to say, that guy is the genuine article. He's amazing. First of all, he's got one of the best voices I've ever heard. And he is just charisma on two legs. Really, really enjoyed him. He was engaging with the audience, asking everybody their names, really taking his time with the answers. He got actually got asked a Joss Whedon question, and he paused for a little bit before he continued. It was very interesting, kind of knowing what's going on with that and watching him hesitate for a second. So he obviously knows of uh, the naysaying that's been going on uh, in his camp. But anyway, he was super, super cool. Really, really enjoyed that. Uh, I got to see a couple of creators. I didn't run into any friends, which there were a couple, but people just couldn't couldn't meet up. Uh, I went with my friends Jill and I went with Bronwyn, uh, obviously. And our friend Brad dressed as old man Logan. And uh, he went as old man Logan, but he had a tree stump sticking out of his stomach as part <laughs> yeah. of the spoilers, by the way. And um, we went through the entire weekend without without anybody really getting spoiled on the significance of, of that. And then we went to the cosplay parade, the, where they judge all the stuff. This thing was long. It was almost as long as the Eisner's like it went on, but it was fun and it was cool. And this really, really amazing cosplayers. But at the end, when they were wrapping up, we were just about to get out of there and leave the con. And this poor guy who was with his group of friends and his one friend wanted a picture with Brad so badly That he actually he asked about the tree stump, and all of his friends turned around and told him what it was. Oh! He had he hasn't seen the movie yet, and it totally blew the whole thing for him. We were just about to get out of there with nobody being like spoiled on this thing that hadn't seen the movie, and in our final moments, we crushed this guy's soul. It was amazing. But um, Hmm. trying to think of what else we did. Oh yeah, that's right. We saw Bruce Campbell. How's he, how how much she how's she looking about, these days? Well, let me let me ask you a question. How much do you guys know about Bruce Campbell outside of like the movies? Uh, I mean
2: outside of being Raimi's producing partner, blah blah blah, all these mm-hmm. years, I have heard not great things about mm. interactions with fans. Yes. hmm
1: okay.
0: Yes. Okay. So going on the first day, the first thing we did. Was go to the Nathan Fillion thing, watching him do his thing. And then on the last day that we were there, watching Bruce Campbell do his thing. I interviewed him for the first season of Ash vs. The Evil Dead at one of the Comic Cons. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. It was torture between him and Lucy Lawless. All they could do the entire time was heckle me and and try to screw me up during during the interview. Uh, So I pretty much had like a vibe of what he was about. But let me tell you something. When you sit down for an hour for somebody who has become the very character that they portray or have been portraying for so long. Mm -hmm. I have never bared witness to such a rude, asinine celebrity that came into a room with absolutely no plan whatsoever because he's Bruce Campbell and he doesn't need one That. Like the sh- the the beginning of the show, the first 15 minutes were on fire. Like that show was going into the mountain. It was so bad. It was so cringeworthy and awkward. And he wasn't doing anything to help. He's a bully. Like he's a total straight up bully. All the advice he gave people was terrible. The, somebody that was uh, like a, a a president of his fan club or something on Facebook, she asked if he could give a shout out to like over 50,000 followers that were there just to say something and he wouldn't do it. And he had his reasons and I, you know, some of them were valid, but otherwise just these are the people that follow you, that would love to meet you, that, that wait to have a moment with you. And I, when I tell you that he treated everybody in that room, like shit, like he, he flat out was like, I don't need to know your names. Don't introduce yourselves. It's fine. I don't need to know. And then, you know, to make comparisons, Somebody like Nathan Fillion doing his thing and taking the time and the care to engage everyone and make sure they all, you know, have a moment with him just going from Mm -hmm. the, the genuine article to someone where if somebody really, really like idolized him or really loved him or something like that, if you didn't know what you were in for and you went to go and ask him a question, just be careful because you could end up getting buried. And God forbid, God forbid that you give it back to him. And there's a genuine reaction in the room of people laughing at your joke at his expense, he will shut down the conversation <laughs> immediately and move on to another person to avoid looking like a fool. Wow. So, you know, I don't give a shit who knows it. Bruce Campbell, I love your characters, but man, you're you're something else. All right. So no, let me let me let me just jump um, in on something here. Go oh, ahead, Melissa. Sure. Go ahead, guys.
3: I was just gonna say, um, take it back to the positive here uh you know nathan fillion i a friend of mine just went to dragon con in atlanta and i i think nathan fillion must be really serious about the con you know the con circuit because my friend was just posting a bunch of pictures of him there and talking about how kind of class act he was and he was kind of the the golden point of his experience at that con which was just i don't know Two weeks ago? Last week, maybe?
0: No, it was this weekend. It It was this past weekend. weekend. Yeah, it was the same weekend. weekend. He must have flown from one to the other. That's crazy.
3: Toronto to Atlanta, yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't... Honestly, I I can't say enough good things about him. He was so... He was awesome. He was really awesome. I enjoyed every moment of him being up on that stage. Excuse me. Our first New York Comic Con,
2: I was waiting we actually were taking turns waiting with our friend Sarah because she wanted to see a Firefly reunion panel, which, as the doors opened that day, 500 people ran to the line and stood there, and that was going to be the whole room. So this mm-hmm. was the standby cattle pen where you could sort of watch some of the the other panels or whatever, and we kept changing out with her. If you remember, Steve, we each take turns sitting, and Sarah would go, and we'd rest and look at our stuff, whatever. Yeah. And it got oh the the panel's about to start the uh, promoters have decided to allow some more people into the room well now all the people who are waiting patiently in the front we were out of luck as all the, the 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 people who were behind us all start running into the room and they're jumping over the barriers and doing all this sort of stuff and uh, and Sarah was was you know not happy with this and I said look I'm a New Yorker we'll get in what do you mean well trust me <laughs> we'll get in so I I'm, I find some person on the line cutting everybody in sight, some skinnier than I was, than uh, 16, 17 year old in a Batman outfit who's acting all tough or whatever. So I excuse me. But yeah, right. So <laughs> I, I walked in front of him and hit him in the chest with one of my bony elbows, and it gave out an audible. Huh, what's that about? It went well. Did oh. you ask? Did you ask all those people behind you for permission to cut them? No. Well, then shut up. Oh, so we we got into this room and it was the entire cast. And I forget what journalist from what magazine, as we got to, to begin the, the panel, he made an announcement. He was just so sorry that uh, because of work commitments, Nathan wasn't going to be able to make it, but he was going to phone in and mm-hmm. try to be part of the panel as much as he could. So he's calling in and he's talking about the big crowd. And he saw the, you know, he'd been told about the melee outside and whatever. And, then his phone starts to break up, and it just it, it, it goes apart. He's apologizing. He gets back on a second time, and it's all falling apart, and everyone's apologizing. And all of a sudden, his phone comes in really clear. It's because he's standing in the back of the room <laughs> with a spotlight on him, and he he makes an entrance. They just want to have a little fun, and all, all what everyone's saying, he was charming. He made sure little kids got questions asked. He responded to everything he eventually ran the panel in essence top top notch I, I ran out right after that panel and bought the entire series had, a, yeah. had a own had a own firefly after just seeing the way he was with his fans
0: he's a class act he really yeah. is he's you know a genuine article all those positive words he really uh really was something else very very warm like I didn't have any interactions with him. But the way that he was talking to people, the way that he was asking for names, the way that he was asking for pronunciations for names and stuff like that, he just he was just cool. And he had some really hysterical answers to questions. Somebody asked him if he has a favorite Captain Hammer one liner from the Doctor Horrible Mm -hmm. series that he did. And he said that his favorite line from it actually comes from the comic book version, not the television version. And there's a couple of panels where Dr. Horrible runs around a corner of a building and bumps into Captain Hammer. And Captain Hammer says to him, be like, whoa, buddy, you better watch where you're going. What if I was a knife? And it was <laughs> just... It the entire it slayed the entire room. It was so good.
2: Well, they were asking him about a Firefly reunion.
0: As yeah, a they had a couple questions about that.
2: And, and he said it's the cost to rebuild sets and everything else. He thought what would be great might be a cartoon version animated series one way or the other and they said well wait a minute you know what would be better because i know they do some of this stuff how about we have a firefly cruise and we'll all be on it and we'll have you guys come on and we'll go to some island and we'll just
0: do firefly crap for a week oh well that would be amazing (laughs) oh my god tickets for that would be insane anyway um i also bumped into blake northcott while Ah. i was there Who uh, was a was a lovely interview on the show a little while back. And uh, we got to chat a little bit about what she's got going on and took a picture because that's what people do. And uh, yeah, it's a really good time. It's a good con. They you know, it's weird that it's it's just as big as any of the others, but doesn't necessarily feel like that. So um, I recommend it, though. And I'll likely be going every year. So if you want somebody to walk around with for a little bit. I will probably be there. So we are going to move into our comics talk now because I'm feeling like talking a little bit about Wonder Woman number 29. Bob, will you please kick things off for us this evening? Surely,
2: surely, surely. We are at part four of Heart of the Amazon, which is Shea Fontana's run. We have uh, moved on. The artist here is Inaki Miranda in a very sort of Kirby-esque, Rich Buckler sort of feel, which really works. This is a action-oriented series. Uh, a series of, of opening panels, I should say. This begins to tie together that spate of people who've been after Wonder Woman. We have a whole bunch of supervillains here. Cheshire, Cat Eye, Aboleth, Plastique, and Baundo. And captured... Cheshire gives up the information that Dr. Shannon Crawford, the doctor who is examining Wonder Woman and and was trying to steal her DNA, is sort of behind all this and there's someone beyond. And we get into a story, there's this bounty on Wonder Woman and it's got to do with could you perhaps use Wonder Woman's DNA to basically cure every disease on the planet?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so Wonder Woman muses about this, ponders a decision as to what you would do given that situation. So we, we come to some very, very Wonder Woman type thing. Shea Fontana, there's just one more to go after this. And there's a rather intrusive ad in the middle that lets you know that there's only one more to go. This is a shame because Miss mm-hmm. Fontana has been really Spot on with her handling of the nuances of Wonder Woman during this short run. Her Diana always seems to have a grasp of the grand scale of things and the smaller moments. Story arc really provides a, a great stage for all those values to be played out against. And it's, it's really going to be sad to have her work end at least on this character, uh, in, in the mainstream book. I'm sure she's still doing DC Superhero Girls. We open up, honestly, one of the opening scenes is Diana makes this sort of thought bubble comment. Ever since I came to the world of humanity, my flesh has been the subject of intense speculation. They dissect my body with their gaze. The comments sections rage about the circumference of my waist, the curl of my biceps, the curve of my thighs. Many have long talked as if my body were theirs to own, a prize to be won, a golden fleece to be captured, expended, and discarded. That's kind of a nice commentary on all the various controversies over whether it's the UN Gal Gadot's suitability or whatever else. So, nicely, nicely played, Miss Fontana.
0: Has anyone read Wonder Woman twenty nine, or am I? Ab two issues out. I haven't. Okay. Uh... I haven't caught up I they, that first story had ended and then uh, I hadn't continued after that, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah.
2: You'll enjoy heart of the Amazon.
0: Excellent. All right. So uh, while we're on the topic of wonder woman, we actually have a little wonder woman news story that our lovely new co host, Melissa was kind enough to send us. <laughs> yeah, Would you please. I,
3: absolutely. I will share it with you, Steve. Um, (laughs) I saw something really interesting that I thought uh, we could talk about briefly and it is um, a story about Wonder Woman comics that sold at a Seattle comic book store Um, let me see uh, Pristine Comics is the name of the comic store and these comic books sold for a total of 1.5 million dollars
1: oh
3: yeah it was well it says total of over 1.5 million I'm sorry uh, all Star Comics number eight, which was the first appearance of Wonder Woman in October 1941, says there's only 106 copies in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and he found, let's see, Sensation Comics number one and Wonder Woman number one. So this man, uh, where's his name? Darren Adams. He's the owner of Pristine Comics. He apparently came across all three of these comics at an estate sale. Nice. So. Not telling how much he paid for them, but I'm guessing it wasn't nearly as much as what he sold them for.
0: No, uh, I'm sure that they weren't cheap either. Yeah,
3: All Star Comics number eight sold for 936223 dollars <laughs> and two hundred twenty-three. Wait, nine hundred thirty-six. Sorry, nine hundred thirty-six, two hundred twenty-three. Uh, that's a big number. Yes, it is. <laughs> Sound it out. I don't even think I've ever said K. that name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Let me see. Sensation Comics number one was four hundred
0: thousand.
3: Four hundred thousand. And Wonder Woman number one went for two hundred twenty six thousand.
0: Wow.
2: That's a lot of scratch.
1: It it is
2: amazing that these sort of books, I mean, they describe the condition of these as the highest graded copies around. That books from 75 years ago can turn up Someone put them away, threw them in as the Mile High collection was in someone's cedar chest for all those years. Mm -hmm. They're in a they're in a they're in a box because someone just happened to put them away. I wanted some first issues and they pass through generations and don't get wrecked. Turned into coloring books. (laughs)
0: Wasn't wasn't there a story, Bob, of uh, an action comics number one or something like that? They were demolishing a house and they found it in the wall. It or something was in, like
2: that. It was in Minnesota. So a young couple and their the, the husband's father-in-law were buying uh, these cabins to sort of renovate and flip. And in a lot of old homes that were meant as summer homes or whatever, they're not really insulated. People threw newspapers and stuff in the wall and they tore down a wall and discovered a nearly pristine copy of Action Comics number one. Which wow. this fella Adams from Pristine right. Comics sold one a couple of years ago for $3.2 million.
3: So, there's well, an interesting thing, too. Is like, why did one, how did that one book, which was the first appearance of Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Brought in more, twi- twice as much as three of these comic books that are Wonder Woman keepsakes?
2: A couple of things. We don't know the exact condition of that action. Okay. Those, other, those Wonder Women's could each be 9.2, 9.4, which makes them amazingly pristine. But if that action is a 9.6, the, the level of money goes up geometrically. And then there are auctions, and so you don't know who's bidding and why. That's another thing. And there's nothing else in superhero comics unless there's action one. It is the ultimate collectible. It has been passed a couple of times over the years by marvel comics number one for instance uh who actually its anniversary of its publication in 1939 was only last week i think even uh captain marvel number one which was actually whiz comics number two uh passed it at one point they they exchange positions i think those that wonder woman price though is the record for any of her appearances all Star Comics eight that's that's a Justice Society issue, where she's only introduced in a text page. So the fact that there's a two page text story of Wonder Woman and it sold for nearly a million dollars, I think that that's going to just soar. That's you're going to see that in the million and a half two million range probably without too too many years having passed. Hmm. The sad kicker of that Wonder of the Action Comics in the Wall story, Steve. Yeah, the. Young couple and the father-in-law began to argue about the book, and they tore the cover in half. No. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh my God.
2: Yeah. So idiots. They still, they still end up with a book that was worth many, many thousands of dollars, but they cost themselves probably. <laughs> no. four, they cost themselves cost themselves a quarter of a million
0: at least. Yeah. No. That that's a that's a fail for the books. That's like for the history books. That sucks. You ever see the Simpsons episode, Three Men in a Comic Book? Mm Mm-mm. When um, Bart and Milhouse and Martin... Oh, God, I feel like there was another one, but they... No, 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 that's three. Okay, Uh, they buy a copy of Radioactive Man number one, and they all split the cost of it, and they wind up in this, like triad of fighting over it and stuff like that and they end up ruining the whole thing like it actually falls into a puddle gets shredded by a dog and then a lightning bolt comes down and like blows it to fiery pieces nice it's amazing millhouse like almost breaks his legs it's so good it's such (laughs) a classic all right so um, um i just want to say
3: listen. before we move on to this a nice part of this story that should be mentioned is that adams uh, is apparently donating a portion of the profits from this sale to an organization that aims to stop human trafficking which i find is wonderfully appropriate for a set of wonder woman comics
0: absolutely
2: Amen. that's awesome
0: hurrah that's very cool actually okay yeah. So, we are going to take a quick break because Steve is out of beer. But we'll be right back (laughs) with some Marvel comic book talk. We'll see you in just a second. we are back we've got some drinks and uh let's just quickly go around the room and see what everybody's sipping on bob what do you have chardonnay Ooh, what brand
2: i don't even know i <laughs> bought it
0: because it was on sale <laughs> <laughs> This is going the so sale long.
2: brand Yes, yeah, the sale brand is a big jug of it for ten dollars.
0: Hey, big jug of sale brand is A OK. Yep. Nice.
2: It went it's- into my fish dinner. I, I was making white wine sauce and now I'm drinking off the last of it.
0: Listen, we tried to complete one of the Gishwa's uh, tasks a few weeks ago using literally comes in a bold yellow mustard yellow container, no name jello. It is actually called no name jello. Oh. And it sucked. We actually had to go out and buy real jello, but that's a story for another time. Joey, are you drinking anything?
1: I'm drinking a nice mug of green tea.
0: Green tea is delicious. I love green tea. Melissa, how about you?
3: I'm drinking some super smooth Spanish temper Neo. What the hell is that? <laughs> Wine, Steve.
0: Oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 Okay, I'm drinking some Innocent Gun original. Oh, Melissa, you don't have to talk for <laughs> a while. That's awesome. Okay.
3: I'm also what? eating a little Debbie marshmallow pie
1: because <laughs> I'm classy that? like that. It goes Swiss, Swiss, well with red wine. Swiss question. Classy, or classy. AF. So classy.
0: Swiss rolls. That's what I'm thinking of. Swiss rolls they are so good. I mm-hmm. oh got peanut butter bars. All right, uh, now I'm hungry. So, Let's talk about some Marvel books. We got a group activity going on over here with Generations Hawkeye. Bob, set us up for that one.
2: Has everyone been reading Secret Empire? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Kelly Thompson, Stefano Raphael are involved here. It is. Okay, the whole conceit of these generations things, it's part of what happens in Secret Empire 10, which we'll hear about briefly later, where at one moment, everyone is dispatched. And they're sort of eventually they come to ground and meet the earlier version of themselves. In this case, Kate Bishop gets thrust backwards, meeting a... Rather young, Hawkeye in the traditional outfit with the little H on his head and the whole the whole deal going on the the archer's tunic, classic ears. Yeah, yep. Yeah, in basically a version of what you younger folks would know as battle royale, but back back <laughs> the in most the dangerous day, game. <laughs> is the most okay. dangerous game. Yeah, we, we know that's what that's most dangerous or, game is, Bob. <laughs> You do. You do. (laughs) Fay Ray, Robert Armstrong, you know, back in in the 30s, shot on the same set as King Kong, basically so they could check out the sets. Hawkeye is part of this group of the world's most dangerous marksmen, some villains, because they all are villains, apparently, including his old Mm -hmm. carny buddy, Swordsman, who's always great to see. This, for me, I'll, I'll I'll chime in after everybody else, was just simply outstanding. Great repartee between the two Hawkeyes. Both characters served wonderfully, wonderfully well. And a great twist to that most dangerous game storyline. I mm-hmm. had a great time reading this one. How about you guys?
0: Well, Let's go with Joey.
1: Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Um, as you guys know, I'm a big Kate Bishop fan. Huge crush. Just throwing that mm-hmm. out there. Um, but uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I think Kelly Thompson just she she digs it, man. She's into the Hawkeye stuff. She's doing a great job with the, the franchise going forward, taking off, taking over from Fraction and Lemire. Uh, it's a great addition to that main book too as well. Uh, anything that gets back to the whole, what's interesting about Hawkeye is that it's, be, it used to be the book about the guy who was just really good at what he did and was kind of through his redemption, trying to be the hero and, and being the heart of the Avengers and all that stuff. But what Hawkeye has kind of become under Fraction, Lemire and now into Thompson is a book about mentorship and, and, you know, mm. how do you help someone get better, right? And I think that this book really digs into that. And it, I, was, I was waiting for the moment in the book, because we've read a few of these Generations books over the last mm. few weeks, and they all get to the heart of the character. And I was waiting for the moment where Generations Hawkeye would, would get to the heart of the legacy of what it means to be Hawkeye. And I was expecting, like, you know, oh, I'm just really good at a bow and arrow, you know, and I, I, I have to be the best at what I do and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it didn't go that way. It went to, you know, uh, uh, Kelly, well, Kate, excuse me, uh, uh, Kate kind of having that conversation with, with Clint about, you know, like, you helped me. You helped me become who yeah. I was always meant to be. And I was like, oh, right that's what Hawkeye's about now, and I think that's fantastic. And I think it's really the only book that that does that to a degree. Even Miss Marvel and and Carol have gone a, a totally different route as well. And and Carol hasn't never really been a big part of of Kamala's uh, story either. But it, it really hit me here with the Generations Hawkeye that that's what Kate's story has been, right? Taking over the reins and and having a a, a good figure in her life to to look up to because her family wasn't and et cetera, et cetera. You know, Mm -hmm. I will say this about Mm -hmm. this book versus some of the other generations books I've read. I was a little disappointed in the artwork. um, And maybe that's just coming off of what I usually associate with Hawkeye books, you know, in terms of, of the energy and the aesthetic. Yeah. It was was a a, little jarring to not see the same style. It felt very kind of like Marvel house, you know, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it just didn't have that kind of flair that I kind of wanted. Um, And I don't know, Bob, maybe you can help. Is the reveal of the main... Like, counterpart dude, not dude, the lady running the scheme. Is she a character from Marvel history? Did you catch anything with her? Or...
2: I, no, I think she is new Marvel history, so we're, we're, I'm out of the loop.
1: Yeah, I didn't know who that was either. Everybody else I knew, I was like, Crow, oh, Crossfire, and, and yeah. I was like, this is cool. And, and but then that one character, <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. But yeah, a little bummed on the artwork, but I just think the Hawkeye is like one of the best franchises going. At Marvel right now, and in comics right now, to be honest. Mm.
0: Mm. Steve? I had a whole bunch of questions for Joey, and now they've flown out of my brain. For me? Yeah.
1: Oh, thanks.
0: All right, well, quick update. My beer was gross, so I had to go upstairs (laughs) and get something else. So instead of the Innocent Gun original, which for some reason I've had before and was delicious in a bottle, but in a can, woof. So (laughs) we are now drinking a blonde miracle of science called Cause and Effect, and it is delicious. So as far as Hawkeye Generations goes,
2: there's that. (laughs) uh,
0: (laughs) I thought it was a really fun read. It's got that kind of Battle Royale, uh, Hunger Games vibe going for it a little bit. But it's also really sweet and really personal as far as it being a, like you said, Joey, like a mentorship story. They keep kind of rolling back to the, or Kelly Thompson keeps rolling back to that in little like really private moments with uh, Kate's character. And I really love that. I like the banter and the chemistry between kind of the, the classic Hawkeye and Hawkeye. The the commentary on the lame superhero costumes, and uh, spoiler, but the moment where Kate tries on the mask <laughs> was just I I hear I hear you on the art, but that particular panel really like cracked me up. I thought that was a, a great moment, and um, I appreciate how obvious the twist was when there were warnings of what was going on, and then it turned out to be just that. But I also like that there was another twist right behind it. And it made for a really heartfelt and satisfying conclusion, and finally, like an like an a la carte villain that had some sense in them, you know. Mm. And uh, I thought that was cool. Like you said, like the the Hawkeye series, Kelly Thompson, ever since she's been on the book, has just been like wrecking it. It's it's amazing. So yeah, this is this is no different. But oh, I remembered one of my questions for Joey. Mm-hmm. You said something about. Captain Marvel and Kamala Khan. Has there been one of these generations issues that featured those characters? It's I coming. It's
1: coming in a couple oh, of weeks. Okay. Yeah, okay. she's uh, Carol's getting two. She's getting one with Marvel and I believe there's going to be one with um Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel too. Right. Indeed. I think it's on the
2: 13th is the two captains.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the two misses is the week after, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Did did you love the moment they're sitting
1: around the the two hawkeyes? Um What are all those holes about? Makes no sense. Oh, I love it. And like <laughs> I love that Kelly Thompson's now like that's a gag in the book because it's yeah. so silly. And we've talked about it on the show before, like it's yeah. so silly that she's still rocking those hip cutouts, you know, like but mm. uh but I but I do love that like she's rocking these like kind of uh like boots with like the like UGG boots kind of on, on her yeah. on her on her. It's just good. It's great.
0: <laughs> I loved all the all the stuff that all the villains would say before they got taken out of the game, <laughs> as like they're fading away. And the the idea that they like Hawkeye didn't even know who he was taking out. He's like, I've got you know thugs four and five from some random yeah. mission I did. <laughs> you know, you've been going after the big guns. I don't know. It was a really good issue. I haven't. This is the only Generations book that I've read so far, and it was awesome. Yeah. Like, if, if some of the other ones are as good as that one, I'd, I'd probably be interested. I'll probably pick up the collection I, when uh, they eventually do that.
1: I like the Hulk one and the Wolverine one. They're, I really like both of those. Um, yeah, I, I know I you, guys like one, you guys didn't like yeah, the Jean didn't Grey didn't one. That was excellent. You guys didn't like the Jean Grey one. I for the Jean Grey one. No, yeah. the
2: Thor one was good, though. Hmm that
0: was jason aaron i believe yeah Yeah, i'm gonna have to get that on top of uh the mighty thor series that i that i ended up buying digitally because bob talks about it so much and i want to read it so bad (laughs) i'll buy it in print as well when it's all collected but for now i'm gonna have to like set aside a whole week that i do that because that's a dense read that's like a game of thrones of reads for Mm -hmm. for a marvel comic book but um Anyway, we were talking about Captain Marvel before. Bob, why don't you tell us a little bit about Cap- uh, Mighty Captain Marvel number eight?
1: Yeah, I will,
2: I will do this quickly. Margaret Stahl, Michelle Bandini. <sighs> Here, Here's the thing. Uh, Car- Carol and the crew, Alpha Flight and the Carol Cadets, they're still on the other side of that gosh darn shield. <laughs> Ugh. For like four issues now, and there are more Shataris on the attack. That said, this was a very good issue because you get Carol being both you know a powerful leader and a caring friend, and we're starting to see that those are the things that you know, historically through Kelly Sue's run what what made up that classic Captain Marvel. Now, as to the story, there's you know tons of action, plenty of humor, some shocks. So this, this is the tie-in to the end of the secret empire thing, and the part of that is, if this had come three issues ago, this would have been spectacular. But just as with Carol's Alpha Flight team, we've retaken the same ground so many times, the impact's diluted eventually. And that's a shame, because there was some, there was some really good stuff in this issue. Uh, next issue's blurb promises down to earth. And I'm down for that. I, I, the same <laughs> is, I think Margaret Stoll... No, sorry about that bad pun. I was trying to... I realized it's fine. It I've second. made
0: like three already. It's good. Okay. Um,
2: Margaret Stoll has done a really, really nice job with Carol. As Gail Simone had a problem with Batman events interrupting her Batgirl story when she was trying to tell a redemptive story. We're here. You're you're coming off all that Civil War two stuff, and we really it really would be nice to have an uninterrupted run of Captain Marvel as Carol figures things out, figures out her place in the world again. It's happening, but now it's hap it's going to really start happening in issue number nine, and that that's a shame. I uh, I'm sticking with it because I think uh, Miss Stahl is doing a great job, so
0: I'm still on board. All right. Sounds good. What about Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur?
2: Oh, it's so cute. Brandon Montclair, Natasha Bustos,
1: and Tomra. Give it to me, Joey. Bovilo! Thank you very much. I was typing something. We, you can't just throw that at me right there. I have to. It's, it's always there. We, <laughs> we're in part four of five of
2: Escape Velocity. It's the Girl Moon storyline with Illa, the the moon daughter of Ego, the living planet. And Lunella is trying to make things right. As she she says here, my dad taught me that there are all kinds of people in the world, but only two kinds of bad ones. Those who are greedy and those who are afraid. So most of the time it's smarter to help them than to hurt them. That's just lovely. And we get lots of that here as Lunella and Devil Dinosaur in his spacesuit go off in their omniwave moon shot thing and go up to try to make things right between Ego and his daughter. And it's all done in a very science sort of way that we all know lots about because of the eclipse a couple of weeks ago. So it really helps that, that happened. Hmm. We also get some side story. If you remember, Lunella's gone off on her space mission and left the head of a Doombot in charge of her lab, and they built a whole bunch of Lunella robots to go to school and be at home. Well, her mom has taken one of them to the doctor. That doesn't go particularly well, but it's hysterically funny. Just uh, uh, lots of fun, this issue, and an amazing, amazing, touching finish. Some of Brandon and Natasha's best work to date. And for those who don't know what's coming, the blurb for the next issue the The teaser image mm-hmm. holy crap, you gotta wipe a tear away from your eye. You
0: know something. I'm just looking at the number for this issue. This is issue huh? number twenty two. Good yep. on them for keeping this book around. Yes, this is a i I'll tell you, like as incredible as this book is and has been from the beginning, I never would have pegged it for going on a twenty third issue and beyond. like, I'm I'm really really super impressed that they that I mean it's because of the quality and all those things but you know how that goes you know that like pure nice books like this don't always make it well, and I'm just yeah
2: uh, the, the the reason is the, the the book itself has garnered lots of very very positive publicity from all corners not only comic reviewers but uh, mainstream and educators and so on. Mm-hmm. At the so end you...
0: explain, unstoppable wasp. Then,
2: unstoppable wasp, which was in that all that same category, was for whatever reason not given enough chance at a certain levels to find a, a little separate part of the audience. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur has found its way into these Scholastic book fairs. Oh, okay. Where it's a major, major seller. That's awesome. The trade paperbacks of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, when they come out, outsell most of the major Marvel titles
0: oh my god
1: i'm having scholastic
0: book sale flashbacks right now
1: yeah and also moon girl devil dinosaur debuted at a time where you know it was able to breathe a little get a couple of those trades in unstoppable Mm -hmm. wasp debuted right in the middle of secret empire you know it's it's not going to be able to get through it's it's more than six issues before six or seven issues you know it's 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 just where it fell
0: i hear you i just want to know where all the moon girl fans were when unstoppable wasp was coming out every month
1: it's a different book
0: uh, yeah, I yeah
2: All right. I want to see. I want to see a Lunella Nadia Tima. Oh like, hell yeah! A, I want a whole mini series. That's what I want. That would be amazing. Doing science stuff.
0: <laughs> All right. So let's move on down the line with Marvel books. And Bob, you're still up. Secret Empire number ten. Yeah. What? what Can say you it? imagine?
2: I re- Yes, I read this.
0: Did you read the whole the whole thing? The whole series? Am I, am
2: I, I read most of it. I didn't buy any of them, but I did read <laughs> right, most but of them you, in the but comic you, store. You, you
0: hung out in the store and you read them? Yes. Okay, Shh. okay. No, that's fine. Whatever. He knows the people. It's all good. One of them's on the fucking show. Right. All right, go ahead. Dick <laughs> Spencer and Steve McNiven. Uh,
2: look, I know. <sighs> Bob read Secret Empire. Yeah. The fact is I've read... Most of these, and it is, frankly, uh, a mishigas. It is a disaster. This has a, 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 a... As an issue of a comic book, I think this has a better ending than the whole thing probably deserved, in, in my opinion. Though, <laughs> so, frankly, spoiler alert, there's a big cap versus cap fight in this issue. Yes. <gasps> yeah, oh. it's also... Yeah, it is also straight out of Steve Englehart and Sal same as Cap of the 50s are from back in issues 153 and 156. Hey, with
1: a... Baker did the same thing around issue uh, 30 or so in the original run, or in yeah. his run. Yeah,
2: it's it's a... It, it has a kicker to it uh, that I won't spoil. There's some good stuff, and though I can't be sure that Marvel... Uh, to me, they seemingly course-corrected. And I, I guess I can applaud that, even if it puts a, a lie to months of statements by uh, Tom Brevoord and Nick Spencer about alternate universes and parallels and, and, and deus ex machina So stuff they were saying wasn't and,
0: true actually turned out to be true. Yeah. yeah.
2: And and the fact that, that Kobik, the Cosmic Cube girl, Says, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. I know what to do now. Just before she does something, look. Oh, if at well, the end, of, if at the end of the day, we're back to where we need to be, and we we end up with good Marvel stories moving forward, and all this worked out for the best, and Mark Waid and Chris Samney go off and do Captain America, and it's great. That's interesting. There are some weird things that happen here that, even though I read most of these, don't make a whole lot of sense. There are people that may or may not be dead in cities that may or may not be destroyed, though I think Las Vegas is still in ruins. Was it ever but no? we have, Yeah, well, there you go. Thanks, Mo Green, if we go back to The Godfather. <laughs> we have dead, major characters dead having a funeral who may be standing there alive. But may not. uh, What the the person, the person that person is standing next to, was executed, but maybe alive, maybe alive because of his ex-wife, who was introduced in another issue, and it's all. Oh, I know who you're
0: talking about.
2: it's uh, it is so much that we, as we sadly predicted. 10 issues back, and I don't want to denigrate anyone who enjoyed this in and of itself, it's not it wasn't a bad story mm-hmm. if it didn't come from a Hydra cap, if it didn't come from stupid internet stuff, and bad tweets, and comments about such and such and such it'll change the Marvel Universe forever and we come all the way back around to nope, it's all back where we started, you know, no, mm-hmm. no blood no foul, kind of and we'll leave all the other side issues to sort it out. And by the way, all those other side issues you bought because you were supposed to. Yeah,
0: uh, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read when, when it's all collected in one thing and it's on the shelf. I'll, I'll pick it up and I'll read it. I, I just I couldn't I couldn't stay with the schedule. I couldn't bring myself to subscribe to the kind of the mentality of, of the, the arguments that were going on about it. I just didn't have time for it. I really didn't. And uh, especially not now. With, with everything yeah. else going on, it was the last thing I fucking needed. But, but um, again, I think it's something that is not,
2: as a piece of work in a book, I you can't say it was junk. You can't say it wasn't, at, at some level, well-written, well-drawn, well-put-together, so you can see why people would mm-hmm. enjoy it. For people with really long memories like I am, sort of like Horton, the elephant, as you mentioned before, I tend not to forget these things. So these weird subplots that go into something else or disappear entirely or turn into, they don't really matter. We've had a few too many of those Mm -hmm. where we get to the end of something and we're just left where we were when we started and... uh, you made me want to invest time and money and I didn't really get the thing out of it I wanted. For all the flaws of the original thing that started all these, DC's Crisis on Infinite Earths back all those years ago. Classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, eventually they rebooted it and rebooted it four other times. But at the moment they did it, everything was different. Mm-hmm. It truly was everything different again, except well, Batman was kind of the same. <laughs> he didn't really change much because he's Batman just as recently. But for the most part, everything got turned over. There wasn't Wonder Woman. She mm-hmm. had to start over again. Superman had to start over again. He had Batman year one and on and on and on. So here's hoping, Marvel. You you get this right with our all new, all different Marvel. Make mine new now. Whatever. Legacy. And Legacy. Legacy. Oh, sorry. I forgot already
0: well we'll see what happens i'm gonna yeah. you know once once it's collected i'm gonna read it i was actually looking for it on the shelves like this week or next hoping that they would have the sense to collect it all real soon this, and just have image? it ready to go yeah <laughs> I, you know you might take a, a page out of their book for something like this something that's been delayed <laughs> and added on to and everything and just catch everybody up for all I the stuff that's gonna be delayed. happening in the I, next
1: they, they kicked this thing out in five months they right. added.
2: They added
0: two issues. They added
1: two issues and still finished. All David right. Maybe League that's
0: where, where my brain was yeah. going. Okay. Now, did you I, see I the... retract okay. my my statement. My previous. Did statement. you see the video
2: teaser for Legacy that they no. were running on the internet? It's still out there somewhere. Every 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 issue is an event.
0: <laughs> of course. That's how I feel every time I open up a comic book. I'm reading something that I'm not going to talk about tonight. That's super depressing, and I'm like, why am I reading this? this is this is really sad. Um, yeah, anyway. So let's move on to our last Marvel book of this podcast. It's a little something-something called Black Panther and the Crew. Mm-hmm.
1: Joey, take it away. Black Panther and the Crew, Tana nehisi Coates and Yona Harvey, Butch Grease with Mac Chader, Stephen Thompson periodically in there with tons of inkers and colorists throughout. So this is issues one through six. I talked about this book a few months ago when it was announced that it was canceled. Uh, and that was around issue uh, one. I think they just like dropped it. Uh, Fortunately, they released the rest of the issues and we're done. It's really sad because this book felt really relevant for a lot of reasons, which I'll get into. Um, The basic premise of the series has been a sort of a reassembling of the crew, which back in the mid 2000s was a comic by Christopher Priest and Joe Bennett, which featured a team of Jim Rhodes, Casper, the white tiger Cole and Josiah, son of Isaiah Bradley X. Um, they were trying to solve a murder in a stretch of NYC called Little Mogadishu when the cops were kind of actively ignoring it. And that was back then. Uh, it's on like Marvel Unlimited. I'm sure you can find it. But here, uh, Coates is joined by... Uh, Yona, poet and professor Harvey, for a spin off precursor to the main Black Panther series that he writes called Black Panther and the Crew. But really, it's kind of like Misty Frickin' Night and the Crew if we're talking the truth right now. Um, so, a prominent activist named Ezra Keith dies suspiciously in police custody. And the streets of Harlem erupt. Misty Knight is on the case. And over the course of the six issues, she comes into contact and assembles this new crew. Storm, Black Panther, Luke Cage, and Manifold, Eden Fessy, right? Um, and they try to solve the the murder, okay? Um, all five have a history with Ezra. All five were influenced by him to be a kind of positive role models in their community. They're tied back to Harlem, their connection to the grassroots of what was going on, and all five um, feel real compelled to kind of get to the bottom of this. Meanwhile we have kind of corporate Robocops uh, and infighting within the movement itself. The parallel storyline running alongside Misty Knight assembling the crew is Ezra Keith himself was part of, like, the OG crew back in the 50s during the uh, beginnings of the Civil Rights Movement. And he came into conflict then with some of his compatriots over the kind of um, the role of violence in in the effort to attain civil rights, right? So you see some parallels to, like, historical Mm -hmm. debate as well. Um, So, I mean, thinking about all of this, if you haven't figured out, like, this book felt really really relevant given the climate and context in in which we live today you know Black Panther and the Crew spins directly out of kind of protest movements today Black Lives Matter uh social equity all these conversations we're having today Black Panther and the Crew like talked about it and talked about it frankly Misty Knight is a cop and she has great conversations with Luke and and Aurora in this book about like you know, the role of law enforcement, the role of justice and ta Coates and Yona Harvey are not pulling punches here in kind of debating, how do we go about attaining the dream? Right? So like Coates and Mrs. Harvey here, this conversation of black identity, it's, what their work is about and also what their work on Black Panther and uh, the world of Wakanda has been about as well. And it was canceled unceremoniously. Um, Thank the gods that they released the, the last five issues because it is great. Um, The resolution, it feels conclusive and it is shocking and good, but it does feel rushed. And if it doesn't feel rushed, it makes you kind of wanting more Misty and more Luke and more T'Challa and more Roe and more Eden. It it just, you know, more crew. Like it's just so good. And it's an astounding self-contained piece now that you can read one through six, um, the same way that kind of like Nighthawk was from David F. Walker last year. And it kind of addressed Mm -hmm. similar issues, but very different, Tone there so it's a real bummer that it was canceled but you know I, I i it ended last week i reread all six issues it's really really good and and definitely worth checking out
0: nice awesome. very cool i wonder why maybe they didn't plan that a little bit better and maybe
1: release it around the time of the film well i that's right i, I feel like i feel like Coates is doing work on Black Panther, and he's up to issue 17 now. And I think that they've, like, you know... He's still getting,
0: writing it? I thought it was over.
1: No, dude, it's on. It's still oh. going. I think this week's issue is um, T'Challa and and uh, Storm and Aurora having a conversation. Uh-oh. Oops. And, yeah, he's, right?
0: and it's still Ta-Nehisi Coates?
1: Hell yeah, man, it's still Ta-Nehisi Coates, dude. He's, Jesus, where he's the hell have it? I been? And that dude is putting out a new book shortly, too. Like, he is working his ass off but here's the thing like I I feel like they they launched Black Panther a year and a half ago and it's been building and I think it'll probably stick around through the film at least and um they probably launched these spin-offs to kind of capitalize on that buzz and none of them took off none of them kind of got the numbers that they wanted or or whatever you know and I, I don't know I'm not I'm not I'm not the head of publishing there but you know I asked the same question like why are you trying to push these as ongoing series? Why are you, why are you marketing them the way that you are or not, should I say? And I don't know. It's a bummer because World of Wakanda was also a great book too. Um, and so was, so was this one. So it's a bummer. But hey, it's, what you have is great and, and worth checking out.
0: Word. All right. So that's going to do it for some Marvel stuff. Let's move on over to everybody's wheelhouse. The indie <laughs> section. I don't, I don't
3: know. I'm still here. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> I know. And we're so glad. Wait, this is so cool. I'm so glad that you're on the show, Melissa.
3: Thanks, Steve. Yay.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> guess what is back, ladies and gentlemen. Black Magic number oh. seven. Boop, boop, boop. Oh mm-hmm. god. Why don't you lead us off? We all read this one. So, yes, so, look at that. Talk. Yeah.
2: Greg Rucka and Nicholas Scott. It is The Awakening 2 Part 2. The holy has been desecrated. The hammer closing in. The Dunnage case hits a snag. And that only reinforces Morgan Chafee's growing suspicion that the killer he and his partner Rowan Black are searching for might be Rowan herself. <gasps> She's acting a, to him a little suspiciously. If you remember way, way back, she she palmed that lighter to use as a as a, a totem. Yes. Uh, it's back. And he's looking at her a little funny. We have what was going on at Alex. Alex's home. We get a lovely two page spread of Rowan on one side of it. Alex on the other preparing the tools of their trade, so to speak as they get together. And then they have a wonderful conversation where Alex says, "One of me must know who did this." Ah, come on. We're, we're really into good stuff. And those little moments where we start to to grab hold of these characters as we did the last issue with the, with the great flashback. Mm-hmm. They these things Combine with the ever widening mystery to just make something really special out of this the story and artwork just amazing. I I could go on. But we've got three other people to talk about this book. Who's going next?
0: I want to hear from Melissa. <laughs> um
3: I really, really love uh, you know, we got to explore kind of the roots of, of Royan the last time and now we get to see kind of what how her friendship with Alex developed. Mm-hmm. And I love all of this. This has been probably one of my favorite issues so far. The thing that I think is funny is that I sort of have forgotten as I was reading this that there was a case that she was working on. Yeah, because nope. I'm finding the story of Rowan and Alex way more interesting at the moment than, you know, whatever's happening with the cop work. Um it's, it's bothering me a little bit that Morgan seems to, his personal attachments, his personal feelings towards Rowan seem to be kind of an ongoing issue between them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously That's he's it. suspicious of her and he has reason to be because she's acting fishy as all hell. But, you know, I really don't want to see Morgan pout about not getting enough attention from her. <laughs> so Just slap him um, a little. Yeah, yeah, I think Get that's distracting. It. I think it's distracting yep. from an otherwise really, really strong story. Um, and I do want to point out that while I, I usually, admittedly, a little embarrassingly, I admit that I tend to skip end materials in comics, I really love the piece at the end of this issue from editor Alejandro Arbona, mm-hmm. um, which was basically an explanation and how, you know, a bit of an apology, I think, and, and an explanation that his difficulties in concentrating on his work have to do with what's happening in the world. Um, and absolutely 100% agree with him that most of the, the pertinent issues on the table are not politics, but are human rights issues. And that's why so many people are feeling emotional and psychological exhaustion right now. So mm. I thought that was a really poignant way to kind of confess his distraction from the book at the moment. Mm. And and I could relate to that and I could not be angry at him for that. <laughs> yeah. So that's something that I feel like I haven't really seen too many people talk about in comics right now. So, Amen. how distracting it is, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's what how I, I you... have to say. Alrighty <laughs> then. <That's>
1: awesome. Lovely. <laughs> Joey, how you gonna follow that? Uh yeah, dude. I didn't know what was going on in this book. Like That makes <laughs> two of like, us. Like I was I was like I was like, yeah, Black Magic number seven. I'm so hyped. And then I was like, what was the last issue about? And it was about like young Rowan, right? And like doing yep. like the kid like getting a little background there. And I was like, wait a minute. Yep. And then there was yep. a year before that, and that's what issue five was, right? And I was like, what the hell happened in that first volume while I was reading this issue? And I was like, Who the heck is this Dundridge guy? And in- Who's this? What is happening? But I loved it. It was great. It looks amazing. It's it's still one of the best <laughs> books ever. But I realized like three quarters of the way through, I was like, "Shit, reread. I really should have reread volume one because because issue yep. six was very much a standalone and it was awesome and I loved that. But but I didn't realize how much. I had forgotten from one through five that would like kind of I would need in issue seven. Um, so, yes. but regardless, like you know, as as Bob and Melissa brought up, like it is still one of like the best things out there, and I'm, I'm I like I actively want to go back and read one through five so that I can reread seven. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <laughs> and, uh. and Melissa, it's totally okay. I don't read any of the back matter either. <laughs> ever.
0: I don't always as well. So. You're I feel like alone. so
1: many books are really stepping
3: up on the back material,
1: so yeah. you should be reading more. You of should it? Read, the, read the the, the bitch, bitch planet, planet. Stuff is really bitch worth. I have read sure. some of the bitch I planet. I do stuff. read, and you know what? You know what book messed it up for me? Fucking sex criminals. That's what messed it up for me because that back matter just became like a carnival of bacchanalia, <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I am not going to do back matter anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's definitely. I would definitely read bitch planet um, back matter.
0: All right. Like I said, they should do a hardcover of just the back matter. It would be brilliant.
1: Yeah. yeah. Just
0: the All right. Tips.
2: So what did uh, you I'm, think of Black Magic, Steve?
0: I'm glad to hear Joey confess all of this <laughs> stuff because that's pretty much exactly how I felt like to a T about the book. Really, really enjoyed it. First of all, understand, people, that there is a food truck featured in this comic called You're the Worst. And it's spelled W U R S T. I was like, okay. I
1: laughed so hard and I was like, This is black magic.
0: <laughs> All right. Beautiful. I love it. Uh doing the whole thing again with the the black and white versus, you know, hyper color when it happens. Really still dig that. And uh I don't know, but I had the same thing. Like my I, I went in to go and read the book and I'm like, okay. I know that the last issue was kind of like a sidebar thing to give us some background. So like we're going in hard into like the new, you know, like the new shit, like the new shit about the old shit, but we're going to go forward. And I, I couldn't latch onto it as I was reading it. And I got to the end and I was like, I know that was awesome, but I felt like almost nothing by the end of it. And I'm really disappointed in myself for feeling that way.
2: Well, you mean the folks at the end, Stepan Hahn and his whole crew? I and their, you know their investigations with that book. And that's all the back matter that's been in the other issues.
0: I get it. It's about but the for,
2: families and so on.
0: Yeah. For me, it's just, it's been too long. Even though I've actually, I've probably read Black Magic three times, my memory is terrible. And it's like a blessing and a curse because every time I read something again, it's almost like it's partially brand new and I'm like, yay. But I, I've been away from the, the core black magic for a little bit too long, probably since we did the, uh, the book club on it. Oh, honestly. So it's been some time. So I think I just need to settle into it. And if we keep, we continue with the story you know, moving forward and whatnot that, uh, we stick with it. I think I'll be just fine with the next issue, but everything that Joey said too, as far as it being beautiful. And obviously I know that it's quality as far as moving the story forward. I just need to like reacclimate myself a little bit. It was, I read it last night just wanting to have read it to be a part of the conversation. And I'm like, Oh man, like I really could have stood to read it one more time, but unfortunately
3: and it's Greg Rucka, so you know that, like, probably three issues from now, he's gonna sleep. Like, he's gonna slip some sneaky shit in there that oh, yeah. you need to remember from like the first issue. <laughs> I love you know, that, man.
2: Yeah, just keep. Well, here was that lighter, which goes yeah. right. all the way back. To the issue, I think it was issue two, actually, but it's way back
3: to the beginning. It was, I would oh, totally I be okay that. though. I would totally yeah, be okay nice. if he just like branched off and just wrote a story about Alex and Ryan right now. just, yeah. just forget about the case.
2: Oh, <laughs> that, that poor guy lost his hands and everything.
1: What do you yeah, think? Yeah, like, come on.
0: Eh. All right. We're yeah. going to move on down the line from that comic book and talk about a different comic book called Brave Chef Brianna that I read, uh, written by Sam Sykes with art by Bridget Underwood. So here's a setup for this. This is a uh, boom, kaboom book. Brianna is the daughter of a world famous restaurateur who's recently announced to his 18 children that he's become sick and is dying oh. as a part of his final wishes. He'd like to leave his legacy to one of his offspring by way of a contest in which each child opens up a restaurant and the most successful one is granted a vaguely defined prize of legacy and etc. cetera. I never really understood what else was at stake um, because no restaurant, uh, no two restaurants can open in the same city. Brianna decides to open up her shop in Monster City, a spirited away-like domain where humans are welcome, but the mi- but they are the minority among beasts and the undead. So, uh, it's an all ages story of rising above self doubt and coming to grips with the limits of your own talent. There's some really good lessons to be learned from this book. Uh, I enjoyed the artwork. Which was had sort of like a Goldie Vance vibe to it, though I found the title character to be a little bit of a monster herself from time to time. Maybe that was on purpose, But she gets pretty intolerable at points when she loses her patience with other people and just came off to me as flat out, mean and quite accusatory. And it kind of rubbed me the wrong way in several instances that I didn't really warm to like her mission and her plight of of trying to to win this contest. But, um let's just say that uh the support cast is really good and she's got like a human handyman that she hangs out with and a winged monster waitress that helps her in the kitchen and there's some really good character chemistry there kind of the her daily patrons are a a ragtag variety of people from the headless complainer to the giant who can never seem to eat enough to the skeleton who seems to scream After uh, every few words that come out of his mouth, he decides to yell at everybody. Uh, It's a pretty eclectic group of monsters that that come in. But um, some of it was really cool. Some of it didn't make a whole lot lot of sense to me. I think maybe if we had two more issues, things could have been fleshed out. Uh, Plot points kind of wrapped up super quick in an unsatisfying manner. Like, oh, my God, so much is at stake. And then it takes one page to kind of brush over the whole thing and just move on to the next. So you didn't get really like satisfying resolutions throughout some of the plot lines. Yeah. But then again, I don't know how much like I'm, I'm, I'm asking for from the book. I just, I wanted the other problem that I had with it was the villain. There is this villain that she's like a giant uh, serpentine, like snake creature that uh, is the best monster chef in monster city. And now that Brianna has come and she's kind of serving illegal foods because they're not allowed to use certain human ingredients that she uses in her food, she gets suspicious of her. But, like, her motivation is really basic in that, you know, humans used to be afraid of monsters and now they're not. So I'm angry and I'm going to, you know, get in Brianna's shit and try to mess up the whole contest for her. And then her stupid brother shows up and opens up a food truck outside of the place. And that's a whole wrench in the works. But Like I said, there are lessons to be learned from the book that I think that's the that's the real value of it, aside from it looking really nice and and kind of there being some cool characters is that no matter what's at stake or what people tell you, you should always try to do your best with what you have and always be appreciative of the people that do that thing with you, because when it's a team effort, none of that stuff happens. alone. you know, same could be said for this podcast. You know, like everybody, everybody contributes to this thing every week. You know, it doesn't happen without the whole. So, you know, a nice little reminder of of that sort of stuff. So
3: sometimes we contribute too much, I guess. And then we get
0: a three hour show. <laughs> That's okay. Never Brave a problem. Jack, Brianna, read it. Bob, call Cthulhu. Give us an update. Well, speaking
2: of coming of age stories with monsters. And dealing with stuff. It is something I mentioned last week briefly. Kala Cthulhu by Evan Dorkin and Sarah Dyer with art by Aaron Humiston. Here, uh, Kala's motive is she has to make an important decision based on family and legacy and whether she follows her monstrous bloodline or acts against it and all told in a really, really charming young adult adventure that for fans of things like Princeless, Gotham Academy, Lumberjanes, take that and cross it with the great old ones of H.P. Lovecraft, and it's what you get. It is everything I thought it would be and so much more. Here we go. I'll, I'll do this as quickly as I can. We open on an average street. Suddenly, a manhole cover pops open, and a little boy struggles out, covered in green slime, followed quickly by a young lady shouting, go run, get out of here, just before she's seized by a mass of giant tentacles. She's armed with a huge curved sword and a large staff, and she she manages to, to get the boy free, get herself free. The monster sort of creaks back underground. She, she wanders over to the little boy down the alley with, with his two friends, and throws him a goop-encrusted, torn-apart baseball and says, stay away from the sewers, okay? <laughs> now, come on. You open like that, you, you, it's exactly the way the rest of the book is. It is, it is definitely a coming-of-age story as, as color moves through acquaintances, friends, enemies, frenemies, a little bit of both, some monster hunter ghoul stuff going on, too. Absolutely charming, and is a it's a lovely little dark horse, it's about 200 and gee, 250 something pages for all of twelve ninety nine. dollars Apps again for any fans of those sort of young adult books we champion so much. And if you love horror too this would be a, a really neat way to introduce the world of H.P. Lovecraft to, to younger folks.
3: I like the artwork on this.
2: Isn't it cool? Yeah. College, it's college, yeah, she's got a great look. It's what well, how would you describe it as a
3: I mean, it's got a, it's got a lot of expression, you know. Yeah. Between the yeah. movement and the facial expressions and the texture of the goo on everything. So
2: got to have goo. It's Lovecraft. There's plenty <laughs> it's of, goo. A of goo. Yeah, Ooh. Lot yeah, lots of callbacks to Lovecraft stories as well as things that influenced him. There's a character here who's the king in yellow, this Robert W. Chambers, who was one of Lovecraft's influences, we get a lovely bit about her her weird uncle Haster. Well, Mm -hmm. in Chambers and then in in Lovecraft, Haster was Haster the Unspeakable, whose name, speaking his name aloud, was the worst blasphemy of all time, which could cause you to be banished to some nether dimension or whatever. And when... Kala meets some of these other characters and she mentions her uncle's name. They go, oh, you can't... St- 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 st-. I'm related to him. I can say it.
0: e who must not <laughs> be named.
2: Exactly where that comes from. <laughs> Haster the Unspeakable. So, highly, yes. highly recommended is the Kala Cthulhu.
0: Fantastic. How about Crosswind? Let's talk about Crosswind for a second and how absolutely amazing this comic is.
2: Yeah. There is... Nothing quite so special as a Gail Simone book. Oh. At, at, at nearly every level, whatever she's attempted in all sorts of realms, whether straight superheroes, superhero political things in the movement, her Red Sonia was amazing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Not enough can be said about the amazing clean room. Crosswind takes little bits of all that sort of stuff and a familiar storyline and mushes it together into something... Creepy, twisted, weird, hysterical, disturbing, with a with a great political, socioeconomic bent to it as well. It's as if mm-hmm. everything led to here, in a way. We yeah. have our, 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 our two lead characters, Juniper Blue, uh, Case and Bennett, and they have switched, that is, that is the cross. And Juniper as Case is now stuck with finding a way past some G-men after she played Harvey Titel's cleaner, trying to fix some mess that happened. While back home, Case, as Juniper, is navigating similarly treacherous waters. It's the aftermath of a uh, really odd dinner party with her husband Jim's boss and her rather disagreeable stepson.
0: Very well handled. Very, yeah, very good. Thank very you good. very
2: much. It's just amazingly twisted, crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And the line is, how do we know that this is going to bite him in his tuchus, right? Any minute. Ah. The, the two leads are each finding their own way to find... How how their talents might have applications in their new unique situations, yeah. And there is there, there are some moments where you're thinking this would go one way, but you, you, without giving too much away, I think Case is figuring oh, this is kind of easy. What are these women always complaining about?
0: Yeah, I've got I've got a comment about that.
2: Right. It's, oh, it's, it's kind of easy. I think that's going to bite him in the took any yep. minute. Yep. What do you think, Steve?
0: Uh, for me, this is just a satisfying book all around. I actually get giddy when I see that it's <laughs> in the poll and I go, to, like, ever since I read those first two issues and I caught up on it, I've been just climbing the walls for a third issue and I got one last week and it's so good. Every Seriously, if, if you've never tried a Gail Simone book or you're fan, whatever, and you've been hesitating, pick it up. Uh, I really enjoy the way the stakes keep getting higher and how the exchange of personalities are leading to both characters to be more assertive in their respective Mm -hmm. roles. Yeah. With that being said, though, I could see the overconfidence stirring in Kacen as Juniper. And I think that's going to come. I actually wrote it down. Come back to bite him in the ass. Yeah. And my prediction is that each one of them will kind of make a mess of the other one's life before perhaps there's another like a switch back Mm -hmm. but the damage will already be done at that point and it'll be a solid lesson learned for both parties i don't know that it's gonna go that way (laughs) but you never know like you were saying how uh as juniper was thinking you know oh this is easy i don't understand what the big deal is something's going to 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 come along that he's not prepared to handle and and same goes for the other as if you know juniper isn't already over uh in deep water with uh with case and situation which is absolutely absurd especially after what goes down in the third issue yeah so yeah yeah,
2: we have the fbi and double dealing triple dealing quadruple dealing who knows how many levels Again, Gale is great at throwing curves at her characters, and I, I'd love to know exactly how far out she has these things planned, or does, does something just come to her and oh, this would be wicked! I got to do this.
0: Yeah, the commentary of happens. the book is amazing. the The duality of characters is it's so good. It's so good. Everybody should read it. Yeah. All right, um, let's move on, Melissa. We're gonna spend some time with you. You wait a minute. What? Are you are you bringing web comics onto this podcast?
3: I am. Oh,
0: <gasps> get out!
3: I'm, thr- I'm throwing a wrench in the system.
0: Get out! <laughs> <laughs> Spanner in the works. Tell us about Dense Web Comic.
3: Yeah, I want. I don't know. Have you guys talked about web comics at all on the show? Oh, lots. Yeah. So much. All the <laughs> time. Every show. Once a once a year. I don't believe you. Uh, okay. Sh- so. Dense is a. it's You can find it on webtoon.com, which, if you don't know about that site, it's so much fun. Um, if you don't have enough actual comic books to read, <laughs> um, you can read tons of great stuff there for free. But Dense is a webcomic that I've been reading for quite a while now, uh, since sometime early last year, I think. Um, it's created by Beth Bears and Matt Doyle, art by Sid Codian, and letters by uh, Taylor Esposito. So. I know you guys have been kind of you guys have been kind of harping on like the post-apocalyptic stuff around here. Yeah, um, you have no, I'm We harp. We harp. I I love a good post-apocalyptic story and <laughs> I'm not going to stop. So um, and that's what this is. And I'm going to talk about it. Dense is an apocalyptic journey to the year tw- 2111, where more than half the world's population has been wiped out by an ancient plague. After the Ooh. vaccination is developed for the plague, there's a massive increase in the birth of identical twins who possess extraordinary powers, and they become known in society as dents. Uh, following an incident at school, a lovely young girl named Eleanor learns that she is a dent, and she's, she was separated from her twin at birth, and she's quickly swept into an underground society of other dents trying to survive. Um I've been finding the story light enough to read through several chapters at a time. The chapters are are fairly quick to read through. Um, but the characters exhibit so much depth in this story. It just keeps me kind of going and going. And another cool little detail about this is that there's actually music put to every chapter, wow. um, which gives wow. the whole story kind of an extra layer of emotion and kind of weight. Um, really beautiful. Just like, you know, kind of orchestral music, uh, so it's another post-apocalyptic story of despair, I know. <laughs> but that aspect kind of serves as more of a backdrop to the engaging and genuine characters, much like the zombies in The Walking Dead. It's, they're, it's not the point of the story. Um, it's a free, ongoing series that you should at least give a pee to, and if the ethereal, expressive art doesn't get you, I think the writing will definitely, will definitely pull you in. It's a beautiful story, and I can't stop reading it um every now and then i forget about it because there's episodes i think once a week um mm-hmm. and i kind of forget and then i get a reminder in my email that there's a new one. Oh yeah so i gotta catch up on that and every time i go back to it i just feel like yeah
0: it's a I'm beautiful story right now it's really cool um, it's a beautiful a I have, story i have music playing in my headphones <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm gonna yeah. close this um that looks really it has kind of a uh, faith aaron hicks vibe to it yeah. the artwork Ooh, now you got me yeah no it does it definitely does gorgeous. it's very cool
3: it's gorgeous and it's free online so you can kind of like read them you know here and there when you have time in between all of your comic book shopping um i don't know why it's free because i think it's a beautiful book and it's w- so well made
0: boy howdy yeah that's awesome Just that's that sounds really to cool i'm actually gonna cover. check that yeah, out
2: absolutely yeah
0: mm-hmm. you sold me
2: Yep,
3: webtoons.com. Yeah. There's tons of uh, a, fun yeah. There's tons of fun uh, series on here. There's a few of them that I've been following, but this is my favorite.
0: Dense webtoons. All right, sweet. I'm definitely gonna check that out. What is Image Plus Volume Two, issue one, which is is back? What the fuck this in the notes? What? You don't know what this is. Okay. <laughs> is Image Plus that like that this magazine that comes out with previews? Yes. Okay
3: um and I have to say I, I haven't read one until now. Um, this is I guess volume two, so they did a whole series of them, which consist of volume one. and now this is the first issue in the in the in volume two. Um, the reason I grabbed this was because I saw that something that I have been waiting so long to hear about and to see more of witches, uh, one of my favorite series of all time from Scott Snyder and Jock is making its uh it's I don't know, it's uh popping its its nasty little witchy head up in this book. Um <laughs> and it's a and it's a sneak peek of what's to come. Ah. So witches is back, bitches. Oh, <laughs> yes.
1: And I am just it's getting a bitches.
3: Yeah, so this is uh, Image Plus's Images award-winning comics magazine. Um, apparently, it's, it had some really amazing stuff in the first volume, so I might have to go back and find those. Um, so in this little piece of witches in here, you get to catch up with Sailor, finally, and find out where she is and what she's been up to since she barely escaped those nasty, tree-lurking, people-eating witches. Mm. Um, the magazine is 80 pages total. It's stuffed with new comic peaks, uh, interesting interviews with creators, including Robert Kirkman and content about all things, comics community, like um, cosplay, all sorts of things in here. It's a dollar 99
1: guys. Girl, what wow. for 80 dollar 99
3: for 80 pages of comic book goodies.
1: Wow. wow. I didn't know they still made them heard... like that.
3: It's wonderful. I, yeah. I can't tell you how long it's been since I've bought a magazine. <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm buying a real magazine. <laughs>
0: But, uh, I haven't bought a magazine since Teen Beat.
3: It, ha- it has <laughs> added a couple of new books onto my list that I'm looking forward to reading because there's there's probably, I think, uh, I'd say at least five or six kind of sneak peeks to an issue number one of a new series coming out. Nice. Hot damn. Yeah.
0: And witches. Witches and, and witches.
3: witches and witches. Man, there is, and I'll tell you, I am so excited because the beginning, I don't want to tell you what's happening, but
0: Better not, because um, I have read Witches. Oh, <laughs> it's dude, you
3: haven't read Witches?
0: Right, I'm Come shutting on. it down. Book club, I know <laughs> it's in the book. It's in the storage unit, man. I'm going out there this Sunday to grab some more shit, so maybe I'll find it.
3: We covered Witches is one of the series that we covered on Sirens. We haven't done a ton of comics over there, but I sometimes make them read comic books, and we covered Witches. And I gotta say that Great series, shot. it's one that got under everybody's skin, mm-hmm. and like the girls were creeped out like hell for after reading that. Nice. And I loved it.
1: Nice. <laughs> Dude. It's are you excited like, about the new?
0: Oh, go ahead. Was, go I, ahead Joey.
1: Sorry. I was just gonna say it's books like witches that give me this intense anxiety about like suburbia and rural suburbia in particular. <laughs> like I live in Jersey city, the lights are on all the time. I was in like this random town in, New Jersey this past weekend. Like, and we were just walking around the neighborhoods and I was like, this is a murder street. (laughs) Like those trees, (laughs) those trees have monsters in them that will suck my brains out and suck me into the tree or whatever else happens in witches. So don't ever take me out to the woods guys, because I will throw up everywhere out of fear. (laughs) get out of the
3: car first okay
1: yeah just side note side oh don't even get me driving through the freaking like berkshires a few weeks ago i was like someone's gonna pop out in my high beams and we're gonna get texas chainsaw massacred right now in the middle of (laughs) in the middle of suburban massachusetts like it's gonna happen
3: and speaking of back material if you are a fan of scott snyder like there's some really great material in the back of which is about his personal history oh yes
1: yes Remember yeah that. and kind
3: of where his stories come from so
1: those were scary too in that first mm-hmm. like that first issue he talks about the idea for witches and i was like ah, i don't want to go like, anywhere now
3: like it's a story that he lived it's
1: yeah. crazy terrifying
0: i've lived a few stories i've seen some things and some stuff all right so uh okay, okay tom Waits, nicely done oh don't worry it's coming when we get to nam all right uh lady killer number two number five wow uh I talk about another so book that i read it and knew it was awesome but felt nothing bob take it away
2: now no, okay it, it's lady killer two number five it's the finale joelle jones colors by michelle madsen and okay, the wait for this final issue was interminable, I, I have to say. But for me, it was definitely worth it, as this issue really hit hard, and in some unexpected ways that I'm gonna, I won't spoil, but I can't say about anything else, because we do get to see both sides of Josie Schuler in some ways that. I don't know, it, I think it makes a reread of both issues necessary, both miniseries necessary to see where we're at. I mean, we open here on four or five of the most gorgeous comic pages I've seen in years. It's little Josephine with her mom. Her mom's telling her, oh, okay, we get, but why? Not now, Josephine, but why, mama? You want to know why? Because I was born with nothing, which means you were born with nothing. And because you had the bad luck of being born a girl.
3: Man. (laughs) Heartbreaking lines, right?
2: You're doubly nothing. And so am I. And little Josephine's crying. But then her mom and the scene shifts. Come on now. That's not an all bad thing. It's not. Not at all. As, As long as everybody thinks we are nothing, that means they'll never know that deep down we are something. Yeah. And that twists into something else. We get to the end of the storyline with Josie's beef with her current partner, Irving, which escalates into something out of, I don't know, a cross between the St. Valentine's Day massacre and <laughs> Friday the 13th. It gets, it gets brutal. It gets brutal. It gets really brutal. It is, it is a messy, messy battle. And yet beautiful to look at totally it is shock followed shock big surprises lovely emotional in to me completely in character sort of stuff though there is that other twist what did everybody else think everybody else did read this so i'll shut up for
3: <laughs> i loved it so much Oh my god, I loved it so much. <laughs> I love this series so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he, uh, you don't poke, don't poke the mama bear in her cave, man.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: love, I love Josie. She is my favorite, like probably one of my favorite anti heroes. You know, she, she just is such a, she's such a badass. I just love her. <laughs> um, and this, I think. Yeah, I don't want to say too much because I'm really bad about spoilers, so I'm not going to. But there's the heartache in this mm-hmm. episode is just like, oh, it just stabs me.
2: Agreed. It, Absolutely. I feel
3: like it starts with heartache and it wraps with heartache, and I just can't handle it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got a thing about like people losing fingers. Like, when, when, that, when that happened in this issue, I was like, ooh! Like, all the other stuff with, like, stabbing and, like, and like getting... And all of that, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is, like, yeah, action. And then, like, someone lost a finger. And I was like, I don't know if I can read the rest of this. This is graphic. There's a lot going on.
3: And she ain't got time for that. She's like,
1: whatever. Yeah, and then they just wrap it up. She just wraps it up. And I was like, what? Dude, I would be, like, freaking out, vomiting everywhere, <laughs> looking for my... But no, it's like I, a pinky or something. Anyway, right? She doesn't use it. Yeah, her her ring finger, no less. Oh, it's a metaphor. Um, yeah, I think so. I think. so ah. uh, yeah. And how awesome is it that there's gonna be like we're getting more <laughs> like that's the bottom line like there's gonna yeah. be more there's gonna be more and i think just joel jones has had a stellar year stellar two years stellar three years you know and i just think that it's so awesome that this book exists and it's gonna keep going um it's just such a such a gem yeah just i think says, I, I read this end. book
3: like i was reading this book like
1: hoo, 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 yeah, yeah yeah go go yeah. go <laughs> yeah, I was too, and then the finger, and I was like, "I'm gonna slow down. I need to take. I need to. I need oh, Come to. on, <laughs> No, Joey. Look, I hear you. I jo- come am. Come on, like Josie that. took it well. Oh well, she says, "Oh my word." Oh yeah, no, she's a freaking like, yeah. mo- like beast, but like at the same time, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just, oh, oh, dude, I can't.
0: All right, listen. Impromptu question. We're gonna go around the room. You ready? Uh huh. Okay. Joey doesn't like it when fingers get lost in things. I don't like a comics. lot
1: of things. All right. Needles, okay. fingers. But if you had to white choose people, if it's if a whole you thing. You had to choose. <laughs>
0: what What gets you more than most? I'll go first. If anything happens to fingernails, Ooh, if fingernail cracks or pops off, or like they're being dragged and they're like raking the fingernails, and all of a sudden one of them just blink, just pops the <laughs> F off. I. Can't deal with that. The other thing I can't deal with is teeth—shattered teeth, broken teeth, pulled teeth, anything like that. that No, thank you. All all dentists are evil. Um, Is it safe? Is it safe, Bob? Do you have a a, like a like a terrible Uh, thing that you
2: like? Not really, but I think at a certain level, everyone fears the injury to the eye motif. (laughs) I'm alright so, with right.
0: eyes. I can deal with eyes.
2: I don't know. Oh, Have you ever no. seen Lu- Luis Bunuel's *L'Age d'Or? Oh, dude. No. That he made with Salvador Dali? Dali? No. The, f- the, the famous scene that's excerpted in all sorts of things is someone takes a straight razor across <gasps> someone's eyeball.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah,
1: in no. full
0: camera shot.
3: Oh,
2: my
0: God. Holy
1: shit. Oh God. Yeah.
0: <laughs> alright, I take it
3: back. I think you made Joey cry.
0: <laughs> what about you melissa what's your um, thing you watch a lot of horror movies what's your thing she's like
3: oh yeah like i don't done know faces what me? makes you cringe come on i'm good i'm good all uh,
0: nice. oh you're hardcore huh? puppies puppies no
3: no i'm not what, what bob puppies. just said though reminded me of one of my all-time favorite um comic book covers which is the cover of colder Ooh. uh
0: yeah uh, yeah
3: issue number five where he's shoving his hand like up into his gums and it pops out his eyeball oh it's so good yeah <laughs>
2: That's right. the best well, there's, a, that,
3: there's that scene in John Carpenter's thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to the end where the
2: Blair monster sticks his hand
3: up the, the colonel's face. I think, and drags him away by the face. I think mine has to be like um, a, so there's a certain kind of like slicing. Like if it's too close or it's too slow um, which I think stems from the pet cemetery scene where Gaines... Oh, the woman- the ankle under slices the slices the, the Achilles tendon. tendon. I was yeah. just
1: about to mention Ooh. that after you said your thing. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yes.
3: yeah, yeah. I think that's yes. where it started. So now every time I see like a knife kind of go too yeah. slow, too close, I'm like, oh god, here it comes. Guys, okay,
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have nightmares tonight, guys.
3: It's All forever right. in my brain.
1: Right. Don't let success. children
3: get under the bed. That's the moral of that yes. story.
0: <laughs> All right, you guys, we're gonna move it on from horror to the horrors of war. <laughs> With now. Segway. Nam, numbers numbers <laughs> yeah. one through four. Um, <laughs> so I got these um, Carol? from Carol? Logan Faber. Fe- <laughs> I got these from oh, Quiet. Don't derail me, man. <laughs> All right. So I got these from Logan Faber at uh, San Diego Comic Con, written by uh, Fabian Rangel Jr. And this is from Albatross, Nam when a scrawny William Spencer is drafted into the Vietnam War, he finds himself smack dab in the middle of the heart of darkness. But Marty has a secret, a secret even from himself. And Vietnam is a hell of a place to find out that you're a werewolf. I knew that was coming. Or a <laughs> nam wolf. Um, <laughs> so here's the deal. Is this like Shark NATO? Yeah, no, it's not. Okay. Marty doesn't know that he's got uh, lycanthropy and his family and doesn't find out until his first night out on a mission, like in the shit with the full moon coming out, and he goes full wolf and just devours his, the opposition. Ooh. But the thing is, is that after his team discovers that he is the Nam wolf, the other people that are in the military, the higher-ups discover that he's the Nam wolf, and they want to use him... <laughs> To, like, as a weapon. So they take him and they put him in a room and they do him, like, clockwork orange style and they show him a bunch of, like, really heinous shit to brainwash him and try to get him to go after the opposition. But the thing is about the Nam-Wolf is that you can't tame the Nam-Wolf. It just wants to come out and you don't mess with the Nam-Wolf's friends. (laughs) (laughs) So it's four issues. It's really fun. It's really gory, but it is absolutely positively gorgeous like as far as like pretty gore can be it's really pretty you guys the color work is phenomenal ever it's it's a lot of fun it took me about 20 minutes to read all four issues wow it's super good it's actually plug plug it's on sale right now on uh comicsology it's super worth uh picking up anyway uh, and has and I'll mention also has some of the best damn covers that I've seen all year even though we don't run the thing anymore because i'm a jerk uh it's they're really good i i highly recommend
2: uh recommend okay quick favorite werewolf movie
0: go steve oh god ginger snaps okay joey uh,
1: f- uh, bleh, i don't like scary movies <laughs> Okay, Melissa.
3: <laughs> American Werewolf in London. That's the
1: one. That's the one. Oh. I, I like that one.
0: Nobody for cursed. Anyone? No. Oh wait, no. no.
1: Um, <laughs> I like. Uh, oh, it's not a movie. Penny. Did Penny Dreadful? Did you watch Penny Dreadful, Melissa?
3: Oh, yes, I did.
1: Penny Dreadful was awesome. I
0: did too, Joey. Oh my Amazing. god, Steve.
1: I don't. Melissa's my new friend on the
0: show.
3: I wasn't talking to you, Steve. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Melissa and I are going to go off in the corner you, they, and talk about Joss Hartnett for a little while. and <laughs> He doesn't age. Dude. He doesn't age. Neither does Ava Green. They're freaking lovely. Anyway, continue. She's, a, anyway. she's awesome in that
0: show. Or she's Patty so LuPone. That,
1: that whole, like, session scene that she does, so
0: good. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Um... I'm good on the Nam Wolf talk. Is everybody else? Yeah. Yes. All right. I'm going to move on. Can you say, on. can you
3: say, can you say damn
0: Namwolf? Damn Namwolf. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Get off my
1: lawn. Yeah. Oh, God.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I forgot to, uh, who wrote this thing that I'm about to talk about? Uh, it brought me to the regular comiXology page. Hold on, you guys. Music. <laughs> 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 there it is. Damn All right. So there's a top shelf digital sale going on right now, and I decided to pick up a book called Night Animals. It's written by Break Evans with art, also by Break Evans. Here's the deal with Night Animals, and hear me through to the whole thing. Don't judge me, Okay. Don't Night Animals I'm beautiful. is a silent, bizarre tale of sex, relationships, and monsters. In the first story, a lonely man dressed in a bunny suit goes on a blind date. But when his match doesn't show for the meeting, the man finds himself led down a dark and mysterious path via glowing arrows around the city. As the man follows the arrows, he takes to the sewers, the sky, and goes underground where monsters are waiting to eat what's left of his confidence before finding love at the end of the tunnel, which also happens to reside in a rabbit's anus. Moving on. Well, we in the a... timeout. Wait, no, no, no,
1: no. You <laughs>
2: just can't blow right past that little they... bit of information.
0: <laughs> oh, bunny butt. They make it look like a bunny butt. And it might not have even been the butt. I don't know if them if the bunny was male or female. But here's the thing though, they move. They move at the um spoilers, they move at the last second, and it's, it's actually a hole in the ground that he climbs into. And okay. there's a bunny woman waving for him on the other side, or a woman dressed like a bunny, and they live happily ever after. Um, in the second story. Uh, a young woman who experiences her first menstrual cycle is transported to a where the wild things are like island where monsters celebrate her coming of age in a hedonistic, burning man-like display of sex, exploration, and ecstasy. The book is highly visual. It's got a Ed Gorey yeah. vibe to it. And there's always something new to discover on each page. Seriously, like I stopped and stared at at just about every page of this thing. It's very short. Um, there's lots of really cool things in the background kind of happening. And the art kind of has this connective tissue to it where you don't exactly see everything at a first glance. You really have to look like within the bark of the trees and there are camouflaged things doing other things and whatever and different monsters. Uh, it's not a book for prudes, that's for sure, but I really enjoyed it. It's like a 10 minute, uh, read filled with art curiosity and naughtiness. And no, it's not vulgar in any way, shape, or form. It's really not. Um it's actually done very tastefully. And I mentioned um the kind of the female coming of age stuff. Nothing untoward happens to her. It's a it's it's more of a showing her what it can be rather than actually doing things to her. So just to make that, abundantly clear it's really cool it's called night animals it's super on sale right now it's like three dollars and i felt like reading something weird and it was good it was cool it's really beautiful like the 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 artwork is really good and each page has just it's almost like reading a highlights magazine where you have to find all the hidden crap within the 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 picture because there's just so much going on 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 every page
1: that is a naughty highlights magazine
0: yeah, so, yeah, man. so what, where are, are goofus and gallant
2: in this somewhere. No. That's no, too bad. Not. I'd like to see them in a book like that.
0: All right. Well, now that we've talked about my two books, let's talk about a book that I talked about last week. But now Melissa's got to talk about it because <laughs> she's read it and has to bring up old stuff.
3: Uh, excuse kidding.
0: me, the
3: trade paperback came out last week after you recorded your show, so it oh. ain't old.
0: And you want to hear something yeah. really ridiculous? I purchased issues one through five and then I stupidly bought volume <laughs> one because I thought it was six. So yeah. I have the whole volume in two different forms digitally on my yeah. Comicsology because I'm, I'm an idiot. And I also would like to mention that I did not do this book enough service the last time that I talked about it. So please, Melissa, give us your thoughts on the old guard.
3: I am pretty sure that I talked about old guard the last time I was on the show. I was Good. There. Which was a while ago. I think it was issue one. Yep. Was back then. Yep. But oh god, I love it so much. Uh, so this is uh, yeah, book one trade paperback just came out. Uh, it's written by Greg Rucka, art and covered by Lando Fernandez, colors by Daniela Miwa. I hope I'm saying that right. And letters by Jody Wynn um, This gathers issues number one through five. Steve, <laughs> this is a, a trade. <laughs> oh, really? that I've been, Yeah, this is a trade <laughs> that I've been waiting for to add to my bookshelf. Like since it started. I knew that this was going to be a trade book. Um, This story of semi-immortal mercenaries has been one of my favorite new gems from Rucka, and it reads even better the second time through in a trade. Um, I find this story really unforgiving in its genuine violence, which is a good thing for me. Uh, Tender in its approach to life without end, and the characters are all being fleshed out in that kind of slow-burn, details matter way that Rucka excels at, I think. Absolutely. if you've been enjoying Old Guard, don't stop now. This is definitely a series that I think you should collect every trade for. Like, I want everything that, that Rucka will give us of this story. Because it's amazing and badass and so fun. And that's it.
0: You need to be on the back of the next book.
3: Yeah, there's yeah.
0: 14 old
2: quotes in there, Melissa.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you need to, you need to, you need to <laughs> like, just copy and paste that shit into a review and throw it up I on the website. I gotta keep up with
3: Bob. <laughs>
0: oh, uh. All right. <laughs> you know? I, I concur with everything that you've said. The Old Guard is, uh, is a fantastic read. Absolutely. Now, moving on, Melissa, mm-hmm. I want you to talk very gingerly about Saga number 46. Listen,
3: I have rewritten what I originally wrote for this at least four times while we were recording this episode. So I think As I've narrowed it down to a spoiler-free way to talk about this. Okay. So I don't know if Joey's going to stay here or not, but I'm <laughs> trying really hard. I'm going
2: to um, headphones
1: off. I'm doing it.
2: Okay. I trust you, Melissa, because I haven't read anything since last year's Best of Year End, and I did a massive reread of everything. I've literally that you edited this so many anything. times. <laughs>
3: yes. You, go for it.
2: I have faith.
3: So saga number 46 has to be mentioned. In case you uh, live in a cave and you don't know who's making this book, it's by Fiona Staples of Brian <laughs> Um Alright. I'm going to keep this short and sweet and hopefully I don't spoil anybody and if I do, I love you. Don't yell I'll at me on Twitter. That. <laughs> the doctor is in. Some must say goodbye and a new surprising connection grows in the ashes of desperation. How's that? Wow. This issue is packed with feeling, as many before it have been, but it hits you in a few places all at once. Uh, this family can't be stopped, no matter where in the universe they land. And every time I start to fall back in a few issues, I'm quickly reminded that the series is still the most impressive thing being put on the shelves right now. That is my decree, and I will not budge from that. Whoa. And I'm done.
0: Oh, man, you're going you're gonna to go, go hard in the paint at the end of the year for our, our award show.
3: I'm sorry, saga. but I do think it is still the most consecutively... No, maybe like,
0: this... You know what? Maybe this is the year it comes back.
3: It is the most reliably highest quality book out there. It just is.
0: I don't disagree with you. No. Which
2: I, is I also why, read it. Which is why we added it to our Hall of Fame.
0: We did. We did. It was our, our
2: first... Yeah, we'll have to... Our first book into... Uh, of the modern era, into our Hall of Fame, because for all those reasons, Melissa, when you... I, I read Saga once a year in a lump, and I never fail to be moved, tickled, invigorated. It is the best of what this medium has to offer. And it's those sort of books that sadly, month to month, they're they're great. And it's, oh, it's yeah, it's, it's Saga. No, we need someone like you to tell us why it is still what it is and why it's important and why it matters. It's too easy to just say,
3: yeah, it's just great. That, I'm, that's I'm sure. half Vulcan. I don't cry. And every time I come back to this goddamn book, I read two issues of it and end up in tears.
0: Oh, yeah. 46. 46 broke me. Like, I knew you oh. were going to talk about it on the show, so I caught up with it. And, oh. I, I was just... still
3: crying from the, like, three issues before this. I was still crying from that.
0: Oh, there was a... Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to... I don't yeah. want to talk about it too much. But, yeah, it's it's still... It really is still just one of the best books on the shelf if not the best one. I remember when Saga was just like a twinkle in images eye. When the, the I like I still have the original promotional poster for that. Yeah, it's I, think I have the so one around, right? yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, think I have and, that around
2: somewhere too, yeah.
0: You know, it's just you know, with, with things like Why the Last Man and and, and other such things from Brian K. Vaughn, you expect an epic, but this turned out to be something far. the fact that this this book is still going. You know, this is like an old school talking comics book. Like This is this has been going on for almost as long as we have.
3: Well, you I know? think this, this book has really put Fiona uh, Fiona on the map, too, for a long time.
0: Yeah, I, I have no idea what she's going to be doing after this, but whoever actually lands her on their book my hat is off to to yeah. you. So All she's right. given
3: so much life to the story. Yeah. If you don't yeah. read Saga,
0: read Saga. And,
2: if you, and while you're at it, you should read his Paper Girls To yes. with Cliff Chang while you're at it. Which
0: is included in the newest issues of Saga. They actually give you like more than half of the first issue to, to get you going. It's pretty cool. Nice. So, um, all right. So we got just a few more books to talk about here. We're gonna get Mr. Joey back on the line. Are you there? <laughs> Joey
3: ran away. Can
0: I put my headphones back on? Yes, you yes. can.
3: I didn't spoil anything. What?
0: No, it was it was brilliant. All right, Joey, I want yeah. you to tell everybody about James Bond Money Penny. That was
1: <laughs> One shot. That was money right there. Uh, Jody Hauser. <laughs> A faith Oh, from faith? Yep. Wow. Jacob Edgar with, you ready for this name? Dear Blah Kelly on colors. What? Dear Blah Kelly? D E A R B H L A. Dear Blah I like
0: Bla. it. I like it.
1: So this was interesting in a good way. First of all, this is the Naomi Harris iteration of Money Painting, not the Lois Maxwell version. So it was super cool to see that modern era represented mm-hmm. here. Um, basically, we got young Money Penny on assignment. Uh, she's kind of like, you know, She's gotta watch this guy. She's got some rookie agents with her, and she's like, "Ugh, I'm assigned to this job." Um, really cool, really tough, and in classic money-penny fashion, that strength and that wit is masked by this like poise and reserve. She's just so uncanny. I love it. She's fantastic. Um, and it's. I love the character. It's clear that Hauser and Dynamite does as well, or else why would they give their own kind of one shot here? Um, there are some strange structural choices, though. Literally every other page flashes between the present and then the past. Like it's then, now, then, now, every other page um, mm-hmm. So you see the like, touch points of Money Penny's development, family, schooling, interactions with other people, training, etc. Um, and then the goings on of the current mission. But it's both threads in isolation are great, but it constantly switches back and forth page by page. It's just a little jarring. Um, the art is fantastic. It's very Chris Samney, very Tim Sale. It's great energy to it. And it's a one-shot. So fans of Money Penny and James Bond, just check it out, man. Cool, nice.
2: Well, we saw that she had a life as an agent in the last film, right? Yeah, totally. Where she was out on assignment and it didn't didn't all go as well as would be expected, and she took to her desk job, but with the same aplomb.
1: Yeah. As with everything else, yeah, she kills I mean, a I'm bunch of dudes this. in this book. Like, just like she's like blah blah blah, and like all the rookies are like like pissing their pants, and she's like, "Give me that," and she just like takes their guns, and she's like blah 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 blah, <laughs> and just like climbs up on a roof. I'm like, "Yeah, money Penny, go get it, there you go." But you know, even the Lois Maxwell version
2: in the old days, there was a certain steeliness to her. Totally, considering what you know, what what Bond was always trying. My favorite little moment is. Well, there are a couple, actually, but in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, it's the George Lazenby versions after uh, Connery left, is is trying to resign. And she basically has held—it's uh, a spoiler—basically <laughs> not—she's not, rewritten his resignation note and handed something else to M. It's actually a request for a vacation. Right.
0: Hmm.
2: No, we we need you around here. And it's not just for me; it's for England and the world and everything else. And it's you don't want to do that. Always thinking that money, Penny.
0: Money, Penny. I like that name. I've always liked that name. Rolls right off the tongue. Mm-hmm. Why is my name coming up in the outline when I'm not touching anything? Who's uh, doing I don't that? Know. <laughs> hey. All right. I keep Melissa- wondering why you're editing so much. Saw <laughs> uh, what I've read. Seven New eternity. It you says. Have? I have. It says seven to eternity. I actually didn't talk about it on the show because I found it huh? entirely too what? complicated to to summarize. So I just skipped Ooh. it. But I have read it.
3: Okay. Well, I'm gonna try. Go um, and I'm bringing this up because the next issue comes out tomorrow. So and I'm not gonna be on the next show. And I love this book so much. So I'm gonna talk about it. Um, so <laughs> seven to eternity by Rick Remender, art by Jerome Opina and Matt Hollingsworth. Uh, Adam Ocidas and his band of magical badasses have stolen the God of Whispers from right off his throne, and they plan to take him on a long trip to the ultimate goal of defeating his malicious, suffocating grip on their world. Adam is dying slowly of a terrible disease, and the God of Whispers excels in offering exactly what you want to get exactly what you want the most to get his way. So the big question is whether these warriors can make it to the end without hearing his offer and abandoning their quest for selfish gains. The swirling, vibrant art of this book is what grabbed me, but the story has me hooked hard. If you haven't been reading this, catch up now. It's a beautiful and gripping tale that builds a world like I haven't seen in some time. And I think if you started this and you kind of fell off, like maybe Steve, like maybe you did. um, What? What? No, I read the trade. I'm I'm (laughs) sorry with it. Oh, okay. You're in. Okay. Uh, Yeah, issue number nine comes out tomorrow. Um, And I've actually been reading this one issue at a time, which I don't Mm. normally do. um, But I'll definitely be buying it in trade because I think it's going to be another one of those books that is, you know, a lot like like East of West is kind of like it'll click into place a lot better and in more detail when you read back through it in
0: a big chunk it's very dense it's kind of uh i i always use this comparison just because it's so much a part of the culture right now but it's very game of thronesy in just that there are a lot of interlocking pieces to what Mm -hmm. is happening in the main story there's a lot of players and stuff um but it's it's super it's very Mm sci-fi very um there's there's Real books
3: I feel like that you can be confused by, and if the art is good enough, you'll hang on to see what's right. going on. And this is one of them. I like. Oh, I love the art so much in this. All right,
0: I have a question for you. Uh huh. Have you read God Country? Uh,
3: yes. <laughs> that
0: does not sound like
3: you read God I Country. I think I think we talked about it on the last time I was on the show. Was that the? Uh, it's got the whole music. Yeah, five no. to it. The no. guy with all the weird little cute little gods. No, like, no that's, little God, that's God Shaper. Oh,
1: that's God Shaper. Yeah. That's God Shaper. Oh, that's God
3: Shaper. Okay. No, no
0: no. Uh, no, 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 God okay. Country. Okay, it's all it's all collected. It's an image trade, Melissa. Huh. God Country.
3: Okay,
0: I'm telling as a as a as a favor from friend to friend, me to you. God <laughs> Country. Okay.
3: Read I am that. going through some serious Game of Thrones withdrawals right now. So maybe that has read, to do with why I'm tripping read on God Street.
0: Country. It is so yeah. I, I want to hear what you have to say about that book. Okay. Okay. Awesome. I, I have homework. Um, yeah. and I fully endorse seven to eternity. It's really good. Dense, but good. Uh, okay. So last book of this podcast that we're going to talk about super quickly. I read Surfside girl. <gasps> you did i did wasn't it
1: wasn't amazing
0: i did i thought it was really cool i liked it a lot i thought it was very sweet i was very i was taken like i was taken by the mystery of what was going on i will say this i thought things the in the we talk about interlocking parts of stories I thought kind of the separate things that were going on with it were wrapped up perhaps a little too conveniently. And like all of a sudden things were just taken care of. I thought that was a little weird.
1: You can leave. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) but but again, this is this is coming from a, a 36 year old male who reads a whole bunch of different comics and stuff like that. I, as far as like an all ages, like a sweet story of two girls having an adventure over the summer, kind of forming a mystery club and keeping a book of weird and, you know, kind of putting the the different things that happened to them over the summer, including things about ghosts, uh, land transfers, mis- like pirate mysteries and dead boyfriends and coming of age stuff and, and kind of arguing about where each other are at these two friends that have always been together and have always shared everything. All of a sudden one might be growing up faster than the other and the other one's confused. And then she learns by way of this whole mystery and Scooby-Doo thing that happens. It's really, really, it's a really sweet story. Definitely reminds me of uh Raina Talgemeier's ghosts, Mm. for sure there's a, there's a couple of similarities but it's it's really nice i i like stories that involve the family that it's you reach beyond just your two main characters it it very much could have been kept to just the two girls and it was just something between them but the idea of the the whole town getting involved and kind of capping off everything i thought was really cool kind of recognizing that things don't necessarily have to change uh, the thing with the the, the blowing apart of the whole real estate thing though that was just like everybody was there, it was all cut and dry. Yeah. Arrested.
1: Whatever. Yeah. Dude, I, yeah I, come on. What else was gonna I happen? Get, like,
0: <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. I get it. Just the, the stickler in me was like, oh, come on.
1: Sometimes you just gotta come let on, the story man. happen, man. Just let it go. It's gotta be something right You gotta you gotta from. you gotta take yourself out of like you know critic you know whatever talking comics podcast host i just enjoy the story dude
0: oh but it's so hard sometimes, <laughs> man i barely
1: yeah. have anything
0: left i have a movie i have a job in the fucking movie industry man i can't even watch movies anymore without a critical eye no it's so forget it's about it's hard. it forget i hate about talking it. about
1: movies and shows man it's i could charge it, it's taking me a really long time like i went through my face of going to like theater and being like yeah fuck this shit you know, like, and like, and, but now uh, you kind of just got to let go of that. And now I love Dude, everything.
0: I left the Talking Games podcast partially because I, I, I couldn't, every single hobby of mine was covered. Right. As far as like, like being analytical about everything. And I just wanted something back. So I left the podcast in more than capable hands. And now I barely have time for video games. Yeah. It's, it's, you just, go sh- just got to let go, man. I should be complaining. There are so many people going through so many things right now, and I'm complaining about not having enough time for video games. Yeah, it's a bit I of don't. a first-world complaint. It's, yeah, it totally is. is, and I cop to it entirely. I'm going to shut my mouth now because I just yeah, sound like a whiny little brat. Just enjoy no, forget about it, it's, man. It's fine Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my, my world is my world, right? So whatever. All right. Talking myself into the Thank you, Joey,
2: for that laugh, by the way. I appreciate it. One (laughs) hundred percent. I got
1: it.
0: All right. So that's it for comic talk on the podcast. We're gonna give you we're gonna this is the point in the show where we would have done news, but now we're peppering the news in between comics for your convenience. And we're gonna move on to the what I like to call any last word segment of the show. What happened to the other segment of the show? What's that? (laughs) What we're excited about next week. Oh, we could talk about what we're excited about next week. Bob, what are you excited about? What's going to be on the shelves next week? We've got
2: today, right now, as we speak, as for some of you, Bombshells United, number one, by Marguerite Bennett, is out. Nice. Hawkeye number 10. Speaking of Hawkeye stuff, with Kelly Thompson's Kate Bishop, I think meeting up finally with Madame Mask once again. Mm Oh, We've got Rocket Girl Number Nine by Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader, and we get some more Amelia Earhart in Elsewhere Number Two. Oh
0: shit! Oh, that's coming out tomorrow. Oh, cool. Yeah, nice. I didn't know. I didn't see that one. Nice. So a small but mighty list for me for tomorrow. Cool. Um,
1: like
0: today, I've got Giant Days Number Thirty. Batman. Right. Talk about another book that we didn't know was going to be around for that long. Giant Days Number Thirty. Yeah. Batman Number Thirty. Doom Patrol Number Eight. Shade the Changing Girl number thirteen, and of course I'm gonna let Joey take the next one. Go ahead, Joey.
1: Is it is it Wicked and Divine? It's not, but it's the other ah! book that you love so much. <laughs> it's the other book that I love so much. Hawkeye number
0: ten's coming out, man. Oh, I, I, yeah, I said that I already said that. Yeah, but I'm. It's it's the echo, man. Okay. that to be the third echo.
1: Yeah. No. I, all I know is Wicked and Divine is coming out this week, so I got blinders on to everything else. <laughs> I'm gonna talk Awkward. Wicked and Divine like until the grave, and someone better fucking read that book. I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read it. I, read I, am, it. I swear to God, I am I'll read it. Over this shit. I'm, I'll <laughs> read it. I am it.
2: Sitting, I'm sitting on a deluxe edition hardcover. That is waiting for our end-of-the-year discussion, so I'm fresh.
0: I'm... Joey, I, I am not kidding you right now. This is live on this podcast that we're <laughs> recording. I am ordering Volume 5 right now on Amazon.ca so that I can catch all up. I know,
1: okay, Scott Pilgrim. All, all I know is, like... Every time the only the only feedback I ever get from like not the only but like a lot of the feedback I get from listeners of the show is like dude totally behind you on wicked and divine I'm like <laughs> I knew it <laughs>
3: people other people are reading it
1: um, no the other things coming out this week uh, four kids Walking into a bank is finishing this week oh I think the oh, last I think ending. when we talked about number one. Bobby was still on the show, so mm-hmm. it's been a long time, but it's finally ending this week. And Star Wars Adventures, a Star Wars all-ages book, is coming from IDW. And Marvel's releasing a Captain Phasma series, which is pretty rad, too. Um, yes. And some new Kingsmen, not from Miller and Gibbons, from Rob Williams and Simon Fraser, just in time for the movie.
0: Dude, I'm hitting the button right now.
1: Kingsman. <laughs> No, oh, no, I'm Divine? already,
0: I'm already on with Kingsman, but no. Um, here, place your order, <laughs> twenty one seventy two Canadian. There you go. Wow, Boom. that's dedication. Don, thank you. Your order has been placed.
1: We are up to issue thirty for Wicked and Divine. We are in the middle of Imperial Phase number two. Things are getting wild. Things are getting hot. I'm gonna talk about it next week. Get ready.
0: All right, uh, Melissa, Melissa, what are you? What are you looking
3: forward to? Uh, I already mentioned that I'm uh, looking forward to a new Seven to Eternity. Um, I'm also interested in Kingsman. I love the movie. Um, so I was interested to see. I had, didn't read the, the. Uh, uh, did you see Mark Miller, right? Mark Miller and Gibbons, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't read those. Um, but, you know, there's a new Kingsman movie coming out, so I might grab one of those to check it out. Um, I'm always excited for Motor Crash. That's, nice. um, That's a series that um, I really yeah. enjoy right now. Yeah. So, um, and I think Scales and Scoundrels looks kind of interesting. <laughs> Hell
1: yeah! What? what is that? What a title! Yeah. Yeah. And again,
3: I I am solidly in Game of Thrones withdrawal right now. So <laughs> maybe because I just want dragons and everything.
0: Have you um, read Lake of Fire? Well, I don't think so. No. You should check yeah. out Lake of Fire. I think you might like that.
1: Does Lake okay. of Fire? Does issue one? Is that the one where the dude like has his, all his clothes burned off and he's running through the village naked, like with his axe killing people? <laughs> Does that happen? No. in that book, oh, no. that was that that was Archie. <laughs> maybe that was is that the... not Headlopper.
0: No, maybe that I don't was, know. Uh... No, but that's not no no. Lake of Fire is um, like Crusades with with monsters. It's kind of like a manifest destiny
1: setup, like old oh, history kind of thing. I, it's real. It's super good. I think there's some naked axe wheeling in that book. <laughs> there might be. I don't Sold know.
3: Old me. I'm in.
1: I yeah. Touch my... It's like <laughs> a shirtless bear fighter naked axe right fighting. oh shirtless right. bear fighter
0: that end of the year talks I'm telling <laughs> it's you it's coming that book is amazing. it's coming it's coming it's gonna get its own category I'm, no, I'm <laughs> with grizzly shark all right before we get to our little outro speech Melissa uh. you are going to be guesting on a episode of legendary runs one of our sister what? podcasts what do you yes
3: what yes with my favorite woods <laughs> um, it, what What? <laughs> it? Um, yeah. The uh, this coming Monday, you will have a new legendary runs with me, and it is about one of my favorite comic book series in the whole entire world. That I'm so excited to talk about. Uh, next wave agents of hate. What? Ooh, ah, yeah. nice. shit. Which, uh, I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna
1: how'd you get on my sure
3: podcast? Cause, <laughs> cause I'm in with the is, man. Damn it. <laughs> She's and And it's with. like one of the maybe three things on the uh, list of legendary runs that they're doing this year that I have any interest or love for. So <laughs> <laughs> I claim I claimed that episode a long time ago.
1: Yeah,
3: um, awesome. So yeah, I'm gonna be doing that. Um, that'll be out on Monday. And if Steve will give me five more seconds, I just want to say, uh, my old stomping grounds is in florida and right now hurricane irma is the second bastard hurricane to come pummeling down in the united states and it is rolling its nasty butt into the caribbean right now so yeah. if you're in florida please guys be safe or puerto rico or any mm, tiny little yeah, islands my out sister there
0: and nieces live in florida and my mom is moving there in three weeks mm. yeah I've been really through I've been through that.
3: hurricanes and I still feel the panic and the anticipation when I see them. My parents are down there too. Oh, um, a lot stuff. of my friends are down there, so you guys be yeah. safe. Check in with your loved ones because this right. thing looks really nasty. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, in the spirit of shout outs, I want to give one to our own Melissa Megan. Huh? For just again for joining the show in like an official (laughs) capacity uh for those of you who don't know history melissa has been a part of talking comics for a very long time and a dear dear friend of everyone involved in this endeavor and we are just so excited to have you on the show in an official uh host bi-weekly capacity thanks guys uh it's awesome really really glad that like this is just finally happening and it's great and this was a lot of fun tonight
3: i love you guys a lot but joey's my new best friend
0: hell to oh, the yes God. we got factions I, going. brown on. nose and i brown nose <laughs> and and i just i still get nothing We are a house you Stark don't even live in the united states anymore know? i don't i'm just out here in, in polar bear internet land cersei <laughs> throwback all right That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Talking Comics podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. Don't forget to check out TalkingComicBooks.com for news, reviews, and articles about comics video games, TV shows, and much more. We also have podcasts of every flavor, including Talking Movies, Talking Games, Talking Valiant, Legendary Runs, D&D Adventure, and Melissa's got an awesome podcast on her own mega nerd media. What is it called? It's called The Sirens of Scream. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's ladies doing horror, and it's amazing. Bob, where can our listeners find you?
2: I am, as always, at Bob Breyer at talkingcomicbooks.com.
0: Mr. Joey.
3: At Joey Bracino. Melissa. Besides Sirens of Scream, you can find me at AlyssaPunch Punch on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Oh, yeah. I am at Dead underscore Anchorus on Twitter. So for Bob. Good night, all. And for Joey.
1: Wicked <laughs> and the fucking divine.
0: And Melissa. Mwah. I have been Steve. Be excellent to each other. We'll catch you next week on the Talking Comics podcast. To be continued.
3: went to the comic book store this time and bought something to read for the show. So
1: I don't oh, have God. a comic book store anymore,
3: Melissa. Thanks for bringing that oh, up. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have one, but mine sucks, so I never go to it. <laughs> I, it.
1: I digitized it.
2: There's the yeah. thing to do. We should you and Carolyn should open a comic book store in Newport. Dude,
1: yeah, we, we have time for that, Bob. All <laughs> I, could, I, could, I, help. I could help. comic book store. I'll have a studio in the back. It'll be great. Yeah, oh,
0: that would be amazing. So
1: Carolyn and I shit, better, I'm so barely tired.
3: have time to see each other, and we live fifteen minutes away now.
1: Sure. <laughs> My tea is all really right.
0: hot. Birthday at school. Uh, uh, Joey goes to the movies.
1: Yeah sounds like the beginning of an Ernest, an Ernest title. I would love a bunch of Joey goes to movies. Joey
3: goes to camp. Joey I goes would. to the theater. <laughs> Joey goes to the grocery store.
1: All right, are we ready? The bodega. But Joey
2: doesn't go to the comic store.
1: Uh, oh. Oh, oh,
3: that's cold.
1: Fuck. Thank you. <laughs> I might be, like, cursing a lot tonight. I've been having to hold it in for the last week, so it's coming back. That's okay. I told you, Steve. I told you. <laughs> You did.
0: (laughs) All right, let's do this thing. Ready? Mm Mm-hmm.